For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And lines are open 0818104106, text story 6810406. With the housing crisis on Leaside making the front of the uh, echo this morning because Threshold are saying that the amount of people calling looking for help uh, has increased yet again and continues to do so. And they give some specific examples of it where they talk of Cork housing crisis leaving some families trapped in horrific living conditions as in they have nowhere to move on to so have to stay uh, in uh, homes which include exposure to raw sewage in their own kitchens I guess plumbing and pipe issues and all sorts of stuff like that water seeping down walls it's a front page infestations with whether it's rice mice I should say or, or rats and God knows we've had a lot of those stories on the air down through the years but apparently it's worse now than ever before the tragedy uh, up the country continues to dominate the uh, front page of many of the papers this morning where we saw the deaths of two little mites, uh, Michael, age two, and his big sister, Thalma, age five. This has now been formally classified within the Garda Shikona as a murder inquiry. The deaths of the two children in the car fire tragedy. And this morning, the Red Tops, including the Star, say that the Garda uh, are now saying that uh, they suspect that the family car was deliberately set on fire and that an accelerant such as petrol was used. That's why the Star's front page this morning says car blaze tragedy now a murder probe. Sun picks up on that uh, and indeed some of these stories are like yesterday morning where they were saying they are now waiting to speak with the mother of the two children. It was a passing lorry driver who managed to pull the children's mother Lynn Eager uh, from the burning uh, car. This is the County Westmead story. We were all absolutely shocked when it was revealed that uh, two children lost their lives in a burning wreck uh, and they hope at some stage this week to interview the mum of the two children because it is now a murder probe and there are many photographs of the two small children. So beautiful photograph of the two of them literally just enjoying uh, a massive ice cream each. You know, a child with an ice cream in their hand, all is well with the world, but it's far from that now. The deaths of the two children in that horrific car fireball, a murder inquiry. Um, and also in the papers today, of course, picking up on a story we had on the air yesterday morning, was the chaos because of the IT glitch within uh, Aer Lingus. You had 52 different flights which were axed uh, over the weekend and thousands and thousands of people then uh, were left stranded. And again, from yesterday morning's programme, as usual, it's lack of information and lack of communication that drives people absolutely crazy. To some extent, they can understand disruptions. Um, They're not intentional, but it's the way you're treated after it is what really and truly annoys people. You know, talking about annoying people, Leo Varadkar has now come out, the Taunish, and said, and he said this privately, apparently, within Fine Gael, it makes the front of the mail today, that it was a bad idea uh, to get rid of school transport fees. Uh, you see what's happened. He says there should have been some kind of fee uh, should have been maintained to avoid the service became, becoming oversubscribed. If there was a some kind of a fee, albeit a lower fee, it might have discouraged some people for going for it. But when it's free, there was a pile on and everybody was looking for a school place for their Johnny and Mary, which they were entitled to, actually. You know, it's free. Why don't you go for it? But of course, they didn't have the infrastructure put in place. Not enough buses. And we find ourselves in a position now where thousands and thousands of children are left without places. Story yesterday, which could have caused absolute pillamaloo were it to come into force. They decided to get a, they, you know, what the government do is they appoint committees and they appoint commissions to study things. And they did this with regards to inheritance tax um, to reduce the amount of money that um, family members could inherit before they pay, or at least with regards to the rate of tax they pay. And indeed, 
dropping the threshold where you can inherit €335,000 tax-free. So Michael Martin has come out now in spite of what the Commission said and he says there's no appetite for doing that. He would be reluctant to do it. So nothing to see here, I suppose. They're going to park it. But if you're self-employed, Watch out for what could be coming. And this could affect upwards of 350,000 people. If you compare a self-employed employee, or sorry, a self-employed person with a PAYE, direct employment employee, there's a big discrepancy in PAYE because at the moment it seems that um, employees pay 4%, right, in the job. But then your employer pays another whopping 11% on your behalf, which brings it to a total of 15%. But uh, self-employed pay significantly less than that, just the 4%. So now they're talking about a way of making more money from the self-employed by increasing it substantially. Actually, thinking about trebling it so that the self-employed, including farmers and what have you, as the independent picks up on this morning, would actually pay a lot more by way of PAYE tax, the same as a directly employed uh, staff member. Um, a, a lot of stories then from our, our uh, from our course. There's one quite disturbing one. It's a story making the echo today where Liam Healan talks about the Guardian responded to a, a welfare call in East Cork and they found, this is the allegation that's been made in court against a man uh, who was charged with endangerment in February. They found that the property uh, the three doors of the property were booby-trapped by the electrical mains uh, where someone could have been killed by electrocution by touching a handle. And that's before the core courts this morning. There's another bizarre one. Apparently, uh, a convicted Limerick gangland murderer makes the papers today, Christopher Costello from the McCarthy Dundon Crime Gang. Apparently uh, in jail for convicted of uh, murdering a rival crime boss. And that's the reason why he's why he's locked up. But apparently he's sleeping on a an, what they call an unauthorised luxury mattress in his jail cell. You know how important sleep is and you know how important a good mattress is. Uh, well, his one apparently is a luxury one. What he got from another inmate who had been granted the luxury mattress uh, on health grounds. How he got his hands on it, I have absolutely no, no news. But t- talking about, you know, what you sleep on and where you live and, and stories like that. Uh, my conversation on air yesterday with Colm Tierney, who on behalf of himself and his wife were renting a property owned by uh, the ex-Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher. Uh, there was an issue regarding uh, returning the deposit and whether the property was registered by the uh, RTB. With the RTB, Colm Tierney, the tenant, believes 100% emphatically that it never was. Apparently it is now, but he says it wasn't at the time. So that story from yesterday morning's programme makes the uh, examiner this morning. Uh, in fact, uh, they also contacted Colm Kelleher yesterday and he again stressed to the examiner that he and his brother had complied with the ruling of the board of the RTB, had paid back the deposit, and indeed, I think there was a, a 150 euro in damages also paid, uh, even though they disagreed with the RTB ruling. And then, as you heard in the news this morning, you know it's 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 impossible now for students who are starting back to college because, of course, we have more and more people going to college constantly. Not and just not UCC or CIT. Don't kid yourself. A lot of other types of colleges, language colleges, tech colleges, things like that uh, here in Leaside. And of course, people in college are also uh, vying for summer to live with everybody else that is working in Cork and coming to Cork to work. And, and, and I suppose to some extent, they might also be catering or you know trying to cope somewhere to find somewhere to live where people have decided to go back to work 
and stop remote working or working from home. So they're going to have a walkout. Uh, they're going to walk out of their lectures next month to highlight, to highlight the impact of the cost of living crisis it's having on, on college. And Students Union are saying now that the student walkout will take place on the 13th of October. Uh, not just to try and find more places for them to actually live while going to college. No, a lot more than that. They want the absolute abolition of college fees. So college would be free to all. Um, and going into a very recessionary dark time, I don't know where they'd find the money for that, but for the government to abolish college fees, to ban privately owned student accommodation um, and invest more in public student accommodation. And of course, there should be more state building uh, by the by the country and by, by whatever government is in power. Uh, I don't know about banning uh, privately owned student accommodation. That would probably take an awful lot of beds out of the market. But that's what they're planning anyway, because they're finding it impossible to find accommodation. And not just find accommodation, but find it at something that they can actually afford. So a walkout on the 13th. Topic that comes up from time to time, of course, is the uh, Bus Connect plans. And Fianna Falls Councillor Mary Rose Desmond uh, stood up in council last night. In fairness to her, she's very critical of it. And she says that, it is actually reducing many elderly people on these different affected routes to tears, she said. The Cork bus lane plans reducing the elderly to tears. I wonder will, will the majority of people wake up when it's actually too late and this is through and the kangaroo hammers start digging and the big machinery starts coming in and that you'll start losing parts of your garden and you'll lose all of the on-street parking that you had or even the parking outside your doors. I don't know. And then, of course, in lighter news, um, Dancing with the Stars is going to be canned by RTE. There's one more season of it and they ain't doing it no more. I don't know whether there's no appetite for it anymore or indeed whether it's too expensive, whatever the case may be, but it's going to go. And also the papers say that scientists have uncovered um, a simple fact, and that is that size matters. No, not in the way you think. It has more to do with um, how to avoid a hangover, uh, particularly with wine. I remember back in the day, the worst type of hangover imaginable is from red wine, isn't it true? It's absolutely horrific. So they say one way to avoid it is not to drink less, but to drink from a smaller wine glass. And apparently by drinking from a smaller wine glass, they have proved that you will actually drink less. I don't know what it does to the brain. I suppose the smaller glass kind of kicks in some sort of a message saying smaller glass, smaller amounts. But apparently it works. You might want to try it tonight or the weekend or whenever. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I heard Michal Martin on the news there on RTE uh, just between 8 o'clock and 9 this morning. More about that in a few minutes' time. But just looking at the cost of everything, right? Uh, see, another hotel now has withdrawn from the marketplace with regards to taking uh, paying guests and it's the Hotel Killarney. Uh, somebody sent me a copy of an email that was sent out saying thank you for choosing the Hotel Killarney for your upcoming break. Uh, the hotel will now be closed on your arrival date due to an exclusive government contract that will be in place and of course this would be to close to the public contract with the government to be paid to take uh, Ukrainian refugees and what they're saying in the email is that we'll welcome you back after April 2023 uh, I suppose they're expecting things to have gone back to normal by then. So that's another example, I suppose, of hotels who are just looking at the maths, I suppose, and finding it easier to take a direct payment from the government rather than to stay open to the public over the winter. Mind you, a lot of them actually close to the public way even before the summer. 
and uh, flipped instead uh, to Ukrainian refugees. And off, an awful lot of places did. Down west along, there's a holiday home complex. There's like something like 15 six-bedroom homes that would have been rocking over the summer with families booking a week or a fortnight. And from about two weeks ago, uh, that stopped and it flipped instead uh, to Ukrainian refugees because they continue to come over here and every single week and every single day more are coming and it's putting more and more pressure. Uh, And of course, that also is eaten into, um, you know, beds and bedrooms, even for the students that we were talking about a little while earlier. Uh, So I, I suppose for more, it might be something that they might consider across the winter, you know, turning into refugee and asylum seeker centers instead. And it feeds in actually to a conversation that I was reading in the papers earlier in the week with uh, Fergal Hart, uh, who's the um, GM of the Kingsley Hotel in Cork, who's saying that because of everything that's going on, including energy costs, more and more hotels won't necessarily flip to uh, Ukrainian refugees, but will actually close, perhaps for the winter or perhaps for even longer. And when you look at the numbers that they're playing with, you can kind of understand Why? Because big hotels with lots of rooms have to be heated and uh, have to to keep the lights on. Anyway, Fergal joins me by phone. Fergal, good morning. Morning, Neil. How how bad is it? I mean, whether it's for the 131-bedroom Kingsley or for everywhere else, where gas and electric has soared by 360%. Yeah, that, that was an exercise we did um, just to compare um, a time, I suppose, pre-COVID and, pre-lo- and pre-lockdown um, where we were looking at our, our energy bills back in August 2019. And we did a, a direct comparison with the month just gone. And that's what we found. Uh, our gas and electricity had risen by 360 But did you see the parts of the article that where your man up in the Clue Bay Hotel, Darren Madden, said that his gas bill had gone up by 1,100%? I saw that. I saw that, and, and I know you know I can't I can't talk directly for for other hotels, but I, I I do know that that certain hotels are depending on their business model are faced with with serious concerns um, and and huge increases. And I suppose we're we're finding that to some extent ourselves, and it's something we are extremely concerned about for the winter months, particularly you know because we're looking forward and we're looking at the business that we've got in our books, and we're trying to make decisions based on that. And um, it is a it's. It's, it's a massive concern for, 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 for the future months. But if, if hotels close, as perhaps you're <coughs> suggesting they might, they'd have yeah. to lay off staff. Then they'll go looking for staff in the spring or whenever and they'll find that they're not there anymore, which is actually the classic example of what's happened over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, and, and hotels, I think you said it yourself there a few minutes ago, Neil, that certain hotels would have closed across the winter months, you know, based on their location and, and the level of business that they could attract. Um, that wouldn't be a factor for us here in the Kingsley in the sense that we would always have, have you know, been busy across the full year. Um, but that that is something that, that everyone is having to look at now. And um, I think it's it's not just hotels, it's, it's across the whole sector as well. It's, it's for it's cafes, restaurants, smaller businesses, you know, how they're going to manage with these kind of energy bills and, and, and the rest of the inflationary pressures that are there. And also the, the impact, I suppose, on, on consumers for, for us all, you know, with our, with our own energy bills going up so much, our discretionary spend is going, to be, is going to be impacted. And that then will cause people to make decisions that maybe, you know, that possibly hotel stays and things like that would be something that might be dropped off their, their itinerary across the winter. Okay, um, just, to, just talking then, on that point, actually, um, actually, you, a lot of hotels have spas, they have swimming pools, they have health clubs, thermal suites. 
they must be costing a fortune in energy. Would be an option to turn all that stuff off? Again, I mean, they're the kind of conversations that we're having all the time. It wouldn't, it would, certainly wouldn't be an option for us here, Neil, in that, you know, we've got nearly 1,300 members in our health club and it's a hugely important uh, side of our business. The same with the spa uh, and, and, and the thermal suite and all those facilities there. They, they are very expensive to run and it's just one example um, with hotels that, you know, in a lot of cases for, for city hotels like ourselves, you're dealing with maybe kind of 90% occupancy and, and they're the kind of targets that you're, that you're aiming for. Um, so it's not really an option to suddenly sort of say you can turn off a section of the hotel or you can say to guests, yes, you can come and stay here, <clears throat> but the type of facilities that you would have expected in the past or that you would have experienced in the past won't be there and won't be open for you. And that, and that applies to the, to the local economy as well. That, you know, if, if the local restaurants and, and, and cafes and everything else aren't there or are having to close across the winter, that makes the destination a lot less attractive as yeah, well. Yeah. Do you, let's address one, one point here because it's fairly relevant and that is the lack of sympathy that the public have for hotels and hoteliers because of the cost of a hotel room particularly over the summer uh, when there's a major event on do you understand that there's a lack of sympathy from members of the public who feel that they were paying way too much for far too long anyway I, I, I understand that there is there can be a lack of sympathy out there I think I think we you know in talking to our customers here I think they they um they accept that there are uh, massive inflationary pressures now mm, across uh, they don't. all hotels. They don't. They don't. They think <laughs> they don't. it was. They don't. Um, well, well, you know, and I think I think hotels. We we don't we don't agree with any sort of price gouging or anything like that. We genuinely don't. Um, we do have to we do have to make decisions based on the level of business that's coming in, and and also we 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 stand over the product that we provide, and I think. The, the product across Ireland is is very very good. It's very strong in comparison to other countries. Yeah, but we uh, saw ridiculous yeah, room rates across the summer. Not and not necessarily just hotels. Everybody was at it, whether it was Airbnb or whether it was uh, uh, guest houses and hotels and whatever and rental homes and everything. Everything went north because uh, uh, it was about lack of supply. I mean, more and more have gone into uh, government contracts to take in refugees and that annoyed the public as well over the summer because they had less places to go and less opportunities to visit places they had planned to visit because nowhere to stay. Yeah, I think that's it and, and, and the less, you know, the less supply is that, that's there and with increased demand and, and certainly there has been pent up demand I think across the summer months you know, the kind of post-lockdown environment kind of kind of led to that. So people possibly had some money saved and were anxious to get out and, and, and go and stay in hotels for weekends or, or for, for their holidays and to and to get away on holidays. So so all those factors did come together. Now we're seeing probably a, a softening of that and we expect we expect that to, to dissipate over the winter months as well because with with the pressure that people are going to be under, um, they're going to have less money to spend, and that's just going to be that, that will be a factor for across all businesses across the across the winter. So, but just another point. I mean, you're not talking on behalf of the Irish Hotel Federation, but you don't believe uh, when there's more demand, particularly if there's an event on, that um, hotels artificially increase their prices. I I, I I would take issue with the, with the artificially element. I, I, I think there can be, as with all businesses, there can be price increases based on demand. That, that that's that's the model that most hotels would would operate. They do, on. and so do airlines. I'm yeah. not suggesting you, exactly. you do it exclusively, yeah. but is it right and is it fair? Well, there, there certainly have been incidences, I would say, um, uh, you know, in, in certain areas where price gouging does appear to have happened. And I, I don't know anyone within the industry who, who agrees with that, who agrees with that, um, 
with that approach and, and it shouldn't happen. I agree it shouldn't happen. And, and we're always trying to find ways, certainly here in the Kingsley, and I, with all my peers in the industry as well, that they feel the same way. They're always trying to build loyalty. They're always trying to talk to their customers to try and find out, you know, what it is they like about their hotels, what it is they'd like to see more of. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Neil, about, you know, closing down certain parts of the hotel and everything else. And we don't really see those as kind of as, as viable options because we want to ensure that guests come here, enjoy the experience, get the full experience. And that applies across. But the, how are you going to, the, the how are you going to do it? I mean, you're going to have hotels all over are going to have to pass on the prices to customers. If, for instance, the numbers that I'm quoting are correct, you're saying a 360% gas and electricity bill increase up in Mayo, they're suggesting it's three times that. Surely that will go on the room rate, won't it? Well, we would hope to see we would hope to see some government supports there, and we're, we're obviously we're hoping to see that at, at the consumer level, but also in support of businesses as well. So there are there are things that that can be done. I think for hotels, helping hotels, for example, to to retrofit older buildings and and to put in more energy efficient equipment and boilers and AC units and all that kind of stuff would help greatly. Mm. Now, a lot of that can't really be done in the short term, so there are other measures we would hope to see in the budget as well that will allow businesses to get through the summer or to to get through the winter months and then hopefully see an end to this crisis or certainly see a levelling off of it and uh, to... to, um, to get ourselves set up, I suppose, okay. for the future and so for next year. Have you heard Michal Martin this morning then uh, on Morning Ireland where he spoke of a similar situation to the COVID pandemic, a wage subsidy scheme, business supplements as well, and a spend in and around what we did on the pandemic, somewhere between 50 and 70 billion euro uh, over the next year? Well, they're, they're the type of measures that, you know, I, I think the government did react very not, well. Not for hotels, uh, for, for, all, for all businesses, he suggested. Across, I know, yeah, I know that. Um, but I, I, think, I think the government did put a lot of measures in place uh, for COVID to help businesses, you know, survive. And, and, we, and we'd certainly like to see that happen again. And I think, I know that, I know that the government is talking about uh, a range of measures across uh, consumers and businesses. And, and that's really what we want to see. Um, and certainly... There are huge. The, the, the pressure will be so great. There's, there's no question about that across the winter months that they will businesses will need help. Yeah. So it, he, he's suggesting that this would happen in the budget. I suppose that it would be announced as part of the budget, but not an energy freeze like the UK. He's going to go after. He's going to go after a windfall tax from the energy suppliers, and instead give. And this will be more directed towards the public. Actually, energy credits instead, which could be maybe a hundred euro per bill to a maximum of 600 euro. I only mentioned that for people who are listening. For businesses, it possibly would be something similar, but on a bigger scale, I guess, but totaling 50 billion. Just just, just finally then, when, when you look at the amount of hotels that have actually closed to the public, um, are you sympathetic for them that they've decided instead to take the Taoiseach shilling, if you like, close to the public and instead flip to guaranteed income by taking Ukrainian refugees? We're always, I, I suppose, sympathetic to to other hotels and to the to the hospitality sector in general. Neil, it's you know it's important for us that as many hotels find a way to survive and and ensure that they that they have a product there that they can, as you say, they can move it from from one area uh, to another. I suppose you know that it it can maybe reopen then next year. Do you think they all did uh, it if, just if to survive? Um, well, I, I think I think people do it for the right reasons as well. I think I think there's you know there was a need for society to step up in relation to Ukrainian refugees, and I think that hotels 
you know, everyone who works in hotels are human and, 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 and who, who own hotels and they make those decisions based on the right decisions too. And then of course there are there are business reasons there too that, that you know, if business just isn't there across the winter and the hotel will have to close, then I, as I would see it, yeah. you know, why not why not take that and, and then and create No, but it happened in the, the no this happened in the spring this happened in the spring. Yeah, well, I, I suppose it, it, the, the, the crisis was at, was at its height in the, in the spring when, when the number of refugees that were coming in was, was, was increasing all yeah. the time. Yeah. And there were pressures then on hotels. And, and you know, I, I suppose this goes back to the business model that hotels would have around supply and demand. And you have to look at it across every night of the week and say, well, how many rooms can you sell on a Sunday night? And, and uh, you know, in some cases, maybe on midweek nights, for depending on the location of the hotel. And, and they're all the factors that you would take into account. So, you know, I, I would completely understand that if, if a business took that decision, they're taking it for the right reasons. OK, but you're not anticipating the Kingsley to close across the winter, are you? Not at all. No. Okay. no. Okay. All right. Thanks for taking the call. As always, Fergal Hart, GM at the Kingsley Hotel. Who in their right mind would want a holiday here? The costs are already astronomical and still rising. Uh, the car rentals, uh, the hotels, all gone crazy. Some points being made uh, by Keith. I wonder if it's the same Keith that's on line three, perhaps two different people. Keith, good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Is that your text or another Keith? No, that, that was my text. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. rather than me read it out, drive on yourself. <clears throat> You're talking about who would okay. want a holiday here. Okay. So. Um, I we did the trail finders in Cork City last week. Right. Uh, just the price. I holiday to go to Las Vegas for nine days. Okay, I'm and writing this down. Flying out on the 10th of October. Okay? Yeah. 1,500 euros. Flights and hotel. 1,500 return flights to Vegas, nine nights in a hotel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the Kingsley Hotel in Cork for the same dates, one thousand seven hundred and nine euros for nine nights. Yeah. Now, which which would you go on? Well, the only thing I can say in defence of that is apparently uh, room rates in Las Vegas are very very cheap. I'm told the whole idea is to get you into the hotel so you'll gamble and spend your no, money, it's, isn't it? It's a, no, it's a four a four star hotel. So a four star hotel, four star hotel. Yeah. You can. Uh, like I would never I don't know why anyone would ever stay in a hotel in Ireland it'd be, cheap, it'd be cheaper to buy a house you pay a month mortgage you pay nearly two months mortgage on an average home on that one yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah it's ridiculous absolute ridiculous hotels in Ireland always price coach and the general manager from the Kingsley who was on there uh, if he doesn't think that he's the hotel price coaches, I don't know. Ah, well, I mean, uh, all you got to do is look at a Garth Brooks concert. Or, work different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or or Westlife the, the concert. Minute is, the minute there's anything on, hotel prices spoil a load of control in Ireland straight away. They go from, maybe you might you know, say there might be a hotel there that would normally be 150 for the night. There's a concert announced, it's 300. Did the hotel room get twice as big? No. No. Well, did the airplane get twice as big? Because they're constantly doing it. Yeah. yeah. That was... They, well, I've never paid more than... More, that's the, like, I've gone a load of long haul flights and they've always, it's always been cheaper than, than going and staying in Ireland or even going anywhere in Europe. Do you think it was that. right that hotels, as you said in your text, crammed with refugees? No, I don't. Do you think? That, do you think that we should have taken as many refugees as we did? Um, no. 
Yeah. Isn't it amazing that an awful lot of people who listen to me think like that? Um, no, I don't think it's amazing. I think it's actually kind of common sense, really. Why? Because the country can't we can't, we can't support every the, we can't support the world like and you have Laurel uh, and Hardy up there running the country, thinking that they can do everything and just to just to make try and make themselves look brilliant on paper, but. You know, but in fact, they're just a, a, a disaster. You said in your text that the country will be shut down by Christmas. That's very depressing. Why do you think that? No, I didn't say that. Okay, well, that must be another no. text then from another yeah, key sorry, system. Yeah, yeah. Just let, okay, the country yeah. will be shut down by Christmas, he says, by the looks of it. Even now, before the next big bills are in, shops are talking about shutting down to avoid going into massive debt, all because the government decided to profit rather than deal with the mess they created. Unless they plan on walking around the country, I'd say it's best to come back after the smoke settles. Um, with regards to the car rental industry, the hotels, all gone crazy. And you've given an example of that. Vegas for nine days with flights 1,500, um, 1,700 for the same day. D- d- uh, and these are both four-star hotels, right? What four-star hotels, yeah. Okay. And are you going like, to Vegas? Uh, yeah, I'm really con- I'm seriously considering it. Okay, okay. It's cheaper than it's cheaper than as I say. I don't know point staying in Ireland when this, I can go over there and I can get the get a get a get a guaranteed good weather, guaranteed good service, and you know cheaper. Yeah, but so, you, lose, you lose all your money at the roulettes and the blackjack and the gaming machines, don't you? You don't have to gamble in Vegas. I've been there four times and I've never gambled. Have you not? No. So what never. do you do if you don't gamble in Vegas? You go to shows. You go sightseeing. You go. You go for. You go for a meal. You go. You go touring around the place. Same as you would do here. Fair place. What yeah. you do with it? You do it in a lot nicer setting with decent weather, and you don't get ripped off. All right, my man. Appreciate you taking the call. Yeah. Thank you, Keith. Have a good trip no, if you decide to go. Another one Here's on that topic, actually. Carol says it's a long, long way from what hotels cost in the last few years. That's the problem people have. As soon as staycations became a thing, hotels increased their prices dramatically at a time when there was no massive increase in their costs. Now they're looking at serious rising costs, but they know they're not going to go get away with increasing their prices again. Tourists are also balking at the prices of hotels in this country. They're pricing themselves out of existence. As a random example, I can stay in the Waldorf Trocadero four-star hotel in Paris next Saturday night for €329. Euro. That's less than a kilometre from the Arc de Triomphe in one direction and the same distance to the Eiffel Tower in the other, €329. Euro. There's plenty of other cheaper and dearer as well as that. But just a sample, four-star hotel in a decent location. As a normal European tourist looking for a weekend away, which one are you going to pick? If 90% of the people think that your prices are too much, then the chances are they probably are. Uh, didn't one publican say he wished he owned more pubs because he was making more being closed during the pandemic from the government handout to its staff? Yes, uh, that was the silver key. Uh, one other one, at least a quarter of the hotel is taken over. We won't mention uh, we won't mention closed down the government. Oh, sorry, that makes no sense. Uh, I'm one of those staff working in a hotel since I left school. Many years later, I still work in the hotel work. It is very hard. I think we deserve a break. Everyone is paying gas and electricity 
at home or work and all businesses do as well and all businesses suffer from price hikes including where I work and the hotel I work in uh, says Lillian. That's true. Mind you, I did see um, what normally would be a very high petrol price, but in the times that we live in now, it seems extraordinarily low by comparison to many other petrol stations. Uh, at the bottom of Forge Hill, there is an Inver petrol station where unleaded at the moment is 172.9. 172.9, which seems extraordinarily low in the times we live in. Why is it that unleaded is so low, but diesel still remains stubbornly high. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. And Kevin Hurley is uh, the president of the Cork Business Association. He owns all of those uh, Hurley centres in the city. He joins me by phone. Kevin, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. How are you? Good. Did you hear Michal this morning talking about the possible reintroduction of a wage subsidy scheme and business supplements, not unlike what we had through COVID? Uh, yes, Neil, I heard him on uh, on Morning Ireland this morning um, and also um, the Cork Business Association representatives met with Simon Coveney at our offices yesterday um, and we would have had um, people from all cohorts of business, from hospitality, from uh, bars and restaurants, from nursing homes and um, myself in the, the centre retail business just to relay to uh, the Minister our concerns regarding the whole energy price increases that are coming down the tracks. Yeah. And what I would say is they asked us for submissions. They asked us for, you know, advice, what we think that should be done and what can be done. And they have taken it away. So I would say watch this space. Let's not everybody panic. There will be um, certainly measures brought in, whether it's wage subsidy schemes, whether it's certain price caps on uh, energy or no, whatever it is. Know, there'll be none of that. There'll be none of that. He said that this morning. He said there will be no energy freeze and no price cap. Right, okay, okay. Well, we're hearing different things every day, is what I'd say to you. You know, it's changing by the, changing by the hour. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear, I honestly didn't hear that this morning when he was talking, but anyway. Yeah, well, we're talking about something like uh, the same kind of spend that we had through the pandemic. Someone's going to have to pay all of this back. And what seems to me is a huge disparity between what they're planning for businesses with wage subsidy schemes and business supplements and the paltry efforts they're making for people in their own homes. I don't know whether you have an opinion on that. You represent business, but it seems very unfair. Well, I think they're going to obviously give give a certain amount to the businesses to keep them afloat, keep people in jobs. Neil, you've got to remember that let's just say a hotel or a shop like one of mine closes down, leaves, let's go 25 people. Those people are straight onto the live register. So it's going to cost the government anyway in the long term. So this is their thinking to try and protect jobs and to try and protect people and protect families. I absolutely agree that they need to help the normal uh, regular households people who are, um, you know, on, uh, earning lower wages and all of that. Um, and I definitely think that they will. So I just think we all just need to wait for two weeks' time to see what comes out. But there will be, there will be measures there. But unfortunately, there will be closures nonetheless. Um, if we have dark times ahead and there's less disposable spend, there's going to be casualties. There is. There's no doubt about it. And particularly... Um, in the restaurant business, we're hearing of a lot of guys that are struggling. They're saying, you know, they're going to close on, on days earlier in the week. Or they have done That's already. Them. They have done already and they're going to continue. And there will be carnage. There will. I heard about a place only last week now on Oliver Plunkett Street that closed down uh, a donut shop there. And, you know, the, the, 
there will be other uh, other casualties, unfortunately, and this is just um, part and parcel of the whole thing. But we've got to try and remain positive. That's my outlook anyway on life. Try and remain positive and try and muddle through. Yeah, but in, in spite of this, just as a by the way, people who listen to this program when they hear of issues with regards to hospitality, the one thing that they constantly say is that hospitality wouldn't find itself in this problem if they paid their staff properly, because hospitality claims that one of the big reasons they're struggling is they can't get staff but yet they won't pay them enough to attract them in the first place. Uh, I know you're a retailer not involved in hospitality, but do you have a thought on that? Um, I suppose it's down to each individual establishment. Um, I know that colleagues of mine in the Cork Business Association, we would have discussions on this, that we would pay above the minimum wage like we do in our own business here um, to try and attract staff and try and, try and attract people in. And, you know, you've got to balance the books at the end of the day. Unfortunately, you know, you, like it's great to say, you know, I could pay a guy to work behind a bar 25 euros an hour or whatever it is. Uh, you know, if, if you can balance your books at the end of the day, then that's just not going to happen. But the costs, you know? ha- costs have gone up, haven't they? I mean, I saw a report re- recently was talking about, well, it had to do with hospitality where food was gone up, meat had gone up, poultry had gone up, dairy, electricity, obviously, yeah. eye-watering increases, as the fellow says. And then they broke down all of the different costs that would be affecting retail across the line. Does that mean that everything has gone up and is going to continue to do so? Almost everything, Neil, has gone up. If you take even um, meat and dairy uh, in our business, it's gone up between anything between 30 and 40 percent. Our energy prices went from 13 cent per kilowatt hour up until September. We're now going to 34. Like it's almost four times, um, or sorry, three times, I should say, uh, um, increase. Potentially going to go even further north. So you know, businesses are dealing with massive um, uh, energy costs, wage costs increased as well because obviously the low paid commissioner are going to report back and there's going to be an increase in, 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 the, uh, in the minimum wage to try and bring it in line with the living wage which is going to come through next year so you know businesses are, are feeling it, they really are feeling the pinch Alright, what is the story with the Christmas lights? Are you making representations with council about this issue of them perhaps not turning them on this Christmas time? Um, that's 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 curveball. No, you threw me, Neil. Uh, no, because well, it is it is a talking yeah. point, and one of the suggestions they were making that was if they did turn the Christmas lights on, they turn them off at I don't know eleven o'clock at night or something, because usually yeah. they run through the night or something like that. That's it. Like they go on. I think they, they normally would have been turned on at four four in the day, and they um, whether they left them on all the time or whether they turned them off very late at night or whatever. They asked our, for our opinion on it last week. Our our opinion was perhaps that we could look at possibly turning them off at 11 or 12 o'clock at night when the, the retail environment is closed and a lot of the pubs and stuff like that are closed. It's just one potential thing. I don't think that anybody wants to see Cork City without Christmas lights. It's been, you know, I've lived in Cork all my life. It's part of the tradition of walking down Oliver Plunkett Street or walking down Patrick Street and seeing the lovely lights and it's a fantastic atmosphere. And if they were off, say, for instance, if they decided not to bother with them at all because of the cost, that would hugely impact on footfall, wouldn't it? Uh, well, it'll, yeah, it'll impact on footfall, but it'll certainly impact on ambiance and atmosphere around the city. You know, we have a, a fabulous city here at, at Christmas, you know, all the different festivals and all the, the different things that go on. Um, and, you know, we need those Christmas lights. We, we really, we have to have them, I think. You know, even during the depths of the recession in 2008, 2010, there was Christmas lights every year, despite everything that was going on. So I'd be hoping that there will be Christmas lights um, because Christmas Christmas in Cork without Christmas lights is kind of a, a Christmas without having turkeys. It's almost like cancelling Christmas, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And nobody wants that. All right. I'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much, Kevin, for taking the call. Kevin Hurley here with the CBA and also from Hurley. He's just on the topic of uh, cancelling the Christmas lights uh, because certainly councils around the country are contemplating as to what they're going to do with regards to that. Uh, There's all of these talks about a five-point energy plan to show people how to reduce their energy at home. So they're wondering how they can do it also from maybe a municipal point of view. And much of this, of course, is also being driven, they say, by the green agenda, with Eamon Ryan suggesting recently that councils should pull the plug on Christmas or at least pull the plug on the actual Christmas lights uh, themselves. Uh, Seamus took to the streets of Cork to ask people's reaction to no, the possibility of no Christmas lights. Like you're talking about turning off the Christmas lights in Owen Limerick, the councillors have said no, they're going to put the Christmas lights on in Limerick. What the hell would that like? It's Christmas. My real I suppose this is an international crisis, it's not just a, an Irish one, so he'll, he'll be led by Europe either way. But to be fair to Eamon, it's not the electricity inflation and gas inflation is out of his control. So he's putting the best measures in place that he feels that he can possibly do for the citizens of Ireland. But unfortunately, I think those small measures aren't really going to impact in any great way for the Irish households. I mean, in one sense, for the workplace, he's telling us all to huddle together to, you know, have uh, put us all into one room so you can only heat one room. But on the other hand, then he's telling us to stay apart because there's probably going to be a COVID outbreak and they want ventilation in the office spaces. So, look, I think more heads need more heads need to come together. There has to be more joined up thinking. And what about pulling the plug on the Christmas lights? Sure. It's going to be a long winter, winter. And I think as well, the... Um, looking at the um, things that increase most prices, it's not really lights, I think they're only a small fraction of our um, household prices I think it's more things that heat up so I don't really think that that's going to impact hugely on the coffers so I think like a small bit of joy in our lives wouldn't go astray. So don't be a bit of a Scrooge Well leave the lights on at least anyway. Well we have the thermals packed anyway. It's spider Christmas do you think so? Yes. Is he a bit of a Scrooge? Yeah. I think so. No, I know who he am. Actually, know who he is. But uh, he's the guy that's telling you to get up at six o'clock in the morning to have your dinner to have a good run well, of the day. Well, you'd have to come up and throw me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Only Christmas without them. No. And what what do you make of his latest rulings that um, to do your washing at night and? I always do. Yeah. <laughs> and save we're energy. Very, we're very eco-friendly. Are you? We are. We're <laughs> we love yeah. you. Yeah. He's a, a man who's got a great sense of social justice, a man who's got a vision for Ireland, and I think if we had more people like him in the government, we'd be a much happier society. Do you think that the kind of energy crisis is something out of his control? And it is not. He has it totally under control. He knows where he's going. He's a very smart man. What do you make of his latest comments telling us that uh, to pull the plug on Christmas lights? Very bad altogether, so that's the main thing for the city, for all the cities. I do not know if we have to turn over his lights early. He's going to give us another couple of pounds in our wages for all the money they took off us. If I was him, I'd look after all the people for Christmas with a big bonus. That's what I should be doing. More broadly, you know, I'm, I'm just very interested, you know, to see what the government's response will be in real terms to helping ordinary people, you know, with this energy crisis. You know, we have a new Prime Minister in the UK and she has announced today 
the emergency measures which they are introducing. Uh, and I suppose it puts us on the back foot a little bit, you know, in terms of what the Irish government is doing. Um, and, uh, and we have our budget and, and you know, we, we, we look to that with a degree of expectation as to what the government is going to come up with. Um, I'm not aware of the Christmas lights um, uh, thing, but, um, but yeah, we're, I mean, I, I walked into a shop yesterday and half the lights were out and they had selectively turned off some fridges. You know, it's, it's getting quite serious already. Yeah. People are feeling the pinch already, you know. Uh, I think it's a different world, the Green Party. Do you? Yeah, you do, yeah. For the better or for the worse? Well, try try turn the lights off for Christmas time. <laughs> Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. And by text from yesterday's conversation with Honest Keith, who got a visit from the TV license inspector. Uh, 160 euros the cost of it. Uh, somebody suggesting if you can't pay it in one go, the TV license can be paid monthly by direct debit at 13.33 a month, which is a lot easier than shelling out the 160 per year. Lots then on royalty. Did I just hear Neil call Princess Diana Princess Diane? I don't think so. I hope not. If I did, it was the first time ever. My name is Diana and I absolutely despise being called Diane. Another one. This is a funny one. Imagine Queen Elizabeth saw off 15 prime ministers, seven popes and 14 US presidents. And still as queen, she never saw Mayo win in all Ireland. People of Mayo will be impressed with that. And then on a serious note, with regards to getting deposits back from landlords following yesterday's conversation, many years ago, my sister was renting a house in Cork. The landlord refused to give her back her deposit because the louver doors and the wardrobe had fallen out. This was because when they were installed, they were wet. So they just shrunk and fell out. Anyway, being Kerry girls, we threatened him with our beloved dad, all 19 stone of him. And bingo, the deposit was paid back very quickly, says Eilish. And a fast one then, on a light-hearted note. Can't come on air, but I'd love if you could share this. My sister was at the Garth Brooks gig Friday night. On the walk into Croke Park, through the rows of houses, oh boy, what they saw. One fellow was cooking up burgers and hot dogs from his kitchen and selling them in the garden for a few euro. Another house was selling bottles of Lidl, 30 cent water for 2 to 3 euro and another house was charging 3 to 4 euro for people to use their toilet <laughs> and the best one yet one house owner had a life-sized cardboard cutout of Garth Brooks and was charging 4 euro for a photograph with it <laughs> whatever you say about the dubs Neil they're enterprising entrepreneurs for sure they absolutely are and I suppose it all feeds into the buzz doesn't it cooking burgers and hot dogs in the kitchen, selling bottles of water, uh, three euro to use the toilet. <laughs> or a photograph for the Garth Brooks life-size cardboard cutout, four euro. Would the residents down around Parky Cueve ever think of that, actually, I wonder? They might have a little money earner going forward. I don't know, do they even offer up their um, their driveways for uh, paid parking during a Parky Cueve gig? Perhaps they do that already. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Back to calls in a couple of seconds' time. Just catching up on more texts on the last couple of days, particularly yesterday. 
many people are so caught with the Aer Lingus business. My parents were on the Malaga flight with Aer Lingus. They booked through Tui. They got a flight to Dublin yesterday evening and had to make their own way home to Cork. These are some of the examples that people were put through. I was talking about the, the Queen and the death of Queen Elizabeth II yesterday again because uh, I haven't got through many of the texts regarding that. One of the questions I asked was why in this day and age is the Queen still the head of state of Australia? Would you not have thought that the Australians would have voted to change that? And somebody correctly pointed out that Paul Keating, the Prime Minister of Australia from 91 to 96, uh, brought a referendum. He had a referendum about the monarchy. I think it was about 1994. And the Australians voted to keep the Queen as head of state. Thank you. That answers my question. On people trying to deal with landlords, and this following on from yesterday's conversations, my sister currently rents a home with her boyfriend and kids and is living in fear of being asked to leave by the landlord. The landlord is absolutely atrocious and cares nothing about the state of the house and any of the repairs that are needed, never done. My sister has asked for a number of small items to be replaced or repaired due to faults in the house. Not damage caused by my sister or her family. The carbon monoxide alarms and the smoke detectors need replacing. And my sister has been told no by the landlord. And each time my sister asks, she gets the same response. The landlord might have to sell. So my sister doesn't ask for anything anymore for fear of rocking the boat and being told to leave the property. I just don't know how the landlord has a conscience given there are young kids living in that home and if he cares nothing for the safety of his tenants but he has no problem looking for the rent each month. Some people have absolutely no shame. Yes, and isn't that the reason why Threshold are saying this morning, I was reading in the Echo, that people are living in... I mean, you've got to have smoke alarms and you've got to have a carbon monoxide alarm and I would suggest that maybe you might cobble a few bob and get one yourself. But I understand what you're saying. She's living in fear that she'd be turfed out if anything serious happens. And But you do need those alarms. Can you imagine living uh, with um, sewage, as in sewage, toilet sewage, uh, coming up through the floorboards of the kitchen or the walls wet with dampness? Can't come on air as I have small kids. We're a young family trying to progress our lives financially. And we have two rental properties. I'm sick of all this landlord bashing. I can tell you it's a thankless job. You put your heart and soul into buying a house to rent and make an extra income and better your life. Rent is highly taxed and you hand the house over trusting it will be looked after. Landlords are providing houses for the government which the government can't provide. We consider ourselves very fair to our renters but some renters can be very entitled. We would love to buy more houses and provide more rental properties but the banks and the government make it extremely difficult as well as the huge risk of trusting your house will be looked after. If you didn't know it, the government takes 40% of our rental income, which is ridiculous when they should be encouraging people to provide properties in this housing shortage and stay off the dole. Thank you for your time. Less of the landlord bashing. Somebody else says the same. Stop bashing the landlords. We work hard to try and build a property portfolio to better ourselves. Whenever you talk about landlords, it's always bashing them. No wonder all landlords are selling up. Are you suggesting that it's my fault for being critical of them? Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Finbar, good morning. Hello, Nick. To, to, be, to be fair on hotel prices, go ahead. Right, to be fair, like, and just to prove that all hotels do not charge exorbitant prices. No, myself and my wife, we're going down to Killarney for three days. Wednesday, Thursday and Friday to the Castle Ross Hotel, right? It's a four-star hotel. I know it. No, it's no, 
in our case now, like we're over 60, so we'll get, I tell you, we're getting a fantastic, you know, a very fair price. Do you get a reduction when you're over 60, Fimber? Yeah, but like for the two of us, right, for the three days, for bed, breakfast, and a full evening dinner, three days and three nights, there's 480 for the two of us, that's 240 each. Wow. And is that a dinner every night? Oh, yes. That, and and it's a, a full dinner. It's not just two courses all. It's a, and uh, there are excellent... No, my wife has been previously there. And uh, there are excellent facilities. And they're also throwing in a, a, a boat, a boat trip in that price as well. So On the I'm Lakes of Killarney, is, for €80 Euro per person per night with dinner. Yeah, three bin breakfast and three dinners are two hundred and forty euros each, a total of four hundred. Now, would that be a significant reduction because of your age? I mean, what would it be if you weren't oh, well, over sixty? Well, <laughs> sorry, no, but it was it was supposed to be a significant significant reduction. I'm in my eighties, so I should be getting a lot higher rate. <laughs> <laughs> it should get cheaper the older you get, you think. So that's the, ca- the Castle Ross for three days, three nights, bed, breakfast, th- and a full dinner, and a boat trip for 480 yeah, exactly. the period. So I, I just wanted to prove but maybe like it's that because all. maybe it's because it's September and the summer's over that they're reducing... No, not really. I, 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 I wouldn't think so, really. Like, well, I, I don't know. But at the same time... Like, they're talking about there's some hotels charging 200 euros or 300 euros just for the bed, like, and uh, push up prices. But I say, like, some hotels are very fair. All so right. That's Listen, just the point I want to Enjoy make. it. Have a wonderful time and enjoy the boat trip as well, Fimber. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, thanks. This, thanks has got to be a, this has got to be a misprint um, on Booking.com. Somebody texted me saying, right, I know this is a fancy hotel in Killarney. They're referencing the Dunlow Hotel and Gardens, which is quite fancy. It's a five-star hotel down Killarney Way, the Dunlow. I know this is a fancy hotel in Killarney, and the date I put in for three adults on Booking.com is the 10th of December. So it is right during the Christmas season. But... 20,000 euro for one night for three people. Some hotels certainly don't do themselves any favours bumping up prices. I know this is unusual, but hotels have been taking the mick this year. And I love holidaying in Ireland, says Gillian. And she sent me a photograph. I don't know if Claire could maybe give a quick call to the Dunlow Hotels just to see if that's accurate. Because it does say on booking.com, 4.9 miles from the centre of Killarney and a beautiful hotel... Don't get me wrong. Price for one night, three adults, including taxes and charges, €20,000. €20,000 for the 10th of December. Could that be right? I think we need to find out. Uh, The Ibis Hotel at the Red Cow in Dublin is closing to the public for an indefinite period as well from September 18th, says Pa. You will find more and more hotels closing across the winter to take Ukrainian refugees because it makes more economic sense, somebody else said. I stayed at the Kingsley for my birthday when they reopened after the first lockdown. It was over €300 for one night. To be kind, um, it was not a great experience. So if lockdown does this to an upmarket hotel, what will the whole winter and spring do? Um, You should be asking hotel managers how much a room was when Westlife came to town, Neil. One or two more. Frick says, when they took in Ukrainians, the hotels didn't care about anyone else. They screwed the people then 
and now they're out with their violins. Morning, I was talking to a couple in Inchidani last week. They were up from the country uh, and stayed in the hotel for five nights for just a basic room. It was 1,500 euro. Hotels are fierce, expensive, says Marie. Morning, during the first lockdown, the summer first summer lockdown, the Irish did all the staycations. They supported all the hotels in the country. Now the hotels are back to their old ways, ripping off the Irish whenever there's a concert or a sporting event on. But if they're proud of being like this, then leave them at it. Hopefully it will close some of them down eventually. And Mike says, way too many refugees in our country and no screening process. The government has forgotten about its own people. The country is a complete mess. Uh, Darren says, the reason my outgoings are going up is because the government owes so much money to Europe. I'm not so sure about that. I think it's uh, profiteering on behalf of the energy providers. Your blindness and your ignorance, Neil, to the country going underwater is baffling to me. Your smart aleck reply when someone says how disgraceful the government took in more uh, Ukrainians than what the country can afford is sickening. I get that you're all for debate, but your blindness is clear to see. Petrol, gas, electricity and hotels. It's all ripping people off. You need to wake up. We're nearly underwater. Thank you for that. Be lovely to have chatted with you on the air on those thoughts, but I don't think you're in a position to come on air. Thanks all the same, though. I think we did contact you, and he said, um, Neil's head is elsewhere. Oh, sorry. This this chap said his head is elsewhere at the moment. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. He just didn't want to come on air. But entitled to the opinion opinion and entitled to the text. Text 0868104106. My apologies to Sheila and to Darren. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. In regards to the price in the Castle Ross, somebody's saying, Neil, 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 come on. These are midweek rates. They don't apply to weekends. Wake up, man. They're midweek rates. That's why they're so low. Fair point. Mind you, I'm also getting texts from people who are booking uh, holidays in Thailand. Um, the Copa Hotel, which is a three-star in Pattaya, the Pattaya Beach. So you're looking at 14 nights. 14 nights. 352 euro. I mean, I've got a photograph of the room as well. I, I guess cost of living and prices and everything must be very different in, in Thailand, but that's incredible. I mean, 352 euro, 14 nights, super duper looking rooms. The second one then, the Sunshine Vista, which is um, also in the same area, which is a three and a half star hotel. Two people for two weeks, 340 euro. Texter saying, I know where I'm going for my sunshine break. A fortnight for two people, 340 euro. I mean, it's, you'd actually think that there's a digit missing on something like that. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. My apologies. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. What's on your mind? What's, what's happening? Well, Neil, first of all, you've been right telling us to do our washing by night and our drying and our dishwasher and everything. Mm. But if we were all to do it at the same time, It'd be overusing everything. But anyway, first of all... Yeah, but I mean, do, you have, do, you have, do you have cheap rate electricity at night? No. Right. You've got to have a special meter for that, sure. Because do you, do you, I don't either. I was wondering, how would, how would people go about getting that? That's, yeah, but like, your house insurance wouldn't cover you if, you, if there was a fire. They say do not use tumble dryers or dishwashers when you're in bed. That's what I'm saying. And he's telling us we should be using them by night. If we're all using them by night. I mean, if your house caught in fire... Well, who would, would he pay, replace your house for you? Because mm. mm. definitely the house insurance wouldn't cover it. Mm. Yeah, it, you know? it, it is a risk. It is a risk to life and limb to have all of those machines on late at night, without a doubt. Yeah. Like, yeah, and yeah, I mean, they're telling us now we might have electricity for the winter. 
right? We've had a power cut. And then they're pushing electric cars. Do you hear that story this morning from... Here's the story this morning from Cove where a woman by the name of Anne McShane, who's part of the Cost of Living Coalition in Cove, says she's been visiting people, elderly people, who have had their gas disconnected because they're worried they won't be able to pay the bill. You see, I mean, yes, I mean, James James Tony is the way, and the boys and girls in Naka, he'd up yesterday that he was in pennies and there was a lady in front of him buying a hot water bottle so that she could keep warm for the winter. Yeah. Now that's yeah. a disgrace. Yeah. yeah. That is a disgrace, me. Yeah. I mean, we're living in a third world country at the moment, if you ask me. I know. I mean, well, you know, back, back in the, I'm not I'm not disputing the cost of increases in energy, gas, and electric and stuff like that. But back in the day, everybody had hot water bottles. I know we had hot water bottles, and we we, we still like do. But but it was it wasn't it wasn't a life or death. Yeah, I know it wasn't life or death. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. We nobody had heating before. Yeah. And I know we survived, but times have changed. They've been throwing grandsons there for to upgrade our boilers and everything. Now they don't want to be putting gas in houses. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. I don't think they know what the three musketeers up there don't know what they're doing. And are you and are you on a pension? I am, and that's what I'm saying. They, no, we're we're clearing up with the property tax as well. How do they expect people on a pension to pay property tax, or people who's trying to pay a mortgage out there with young kids? They're finding it hard to pay a mortgage, let alone property tax. Now I rang the tax office, the revenue, to know could we push it on hold, and you can. But when you die, your children will have to pay it. Whatever you owe, plus twenty percent extra. Yeah, I know, I know. No, okay, why can you indef- my children? Can can you that? indefinitely park your property tax until you die? You can, but they have your house thing. Yeah. Pro- I mean, your children probably would still owe it. And if you had to go into a home, what are you going to do with your home? Yeah. House, yeah. revenue will own it anyway. Yeah, a lot. A lot of so, people. A lot of people actually subscribe to the fair deal, don't they? With regards to their they, home as well. They do, yeah. But Neil, like, it's no good in the end, is it? You're like you've nothing to leave your children. Well, it would be. Wouldn't it be subtracted from the sale price at the end? Wouldn't it? What you'd owe the nursing yep. home and owe the state for paying it for? Yeah, it, kind between of thing. that and your property tax, yeah. your children would owe all money. Yeah, but on yeah, your on your pensioner, how will you how will you manage? Do you think? But to be fair, they don't even do their sums. I'd say because you have to pay property tax, you have to pay house insurance, you have to pay um, all your other bills. And you um, you have life insurance to pay. How do they expect people to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I heard me hold there a couple of weeks ago saying he's, you know, he fears for his children buying house. Like in fairness, I mean, he's second he'd millions. Well, I don't know how much he has saved in this. Uh, and he's come there. He's not sitting up there the dial at all, boy, for nothing. He'd I mean, be better he, off saying him. that he'd be better off saying that he fears for people's children trying to buy a house. Yeah, but even so, listen, I'd love them, their wages and their their savings to be frozen and live on the state pension for about six to 12 months. I know. You see then, things will change then, Neil. You know, it's just not not fair. All right, thanks. Take care, Sheila. Much obliged. Darren, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I I didn't mean to dismiss your text earlier on, but you you were saying that um, the reason things are as bad is because we owe money to Europe. What do you mean by that? I don't know. Like, it, I, I think they. they this is what. This, this is what I think is happening. Is that they, they are borrowing money off of Europe, and then we have to pay it. For, and then I, I, I'm just thinking, like, then that's how we're we're getting we're getting charged on this. Like, I I went in. I'm not going to name the shop there now. I went into. I got a top there, and it was ten euro. Yeah. 
And then and that was last last Wednesday. And then I went in on Saturday and it was one euro. And it was it was eleven euro, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But like it, it it's ridiculous and even even another thing, like even the roads, the roads are, are, are really bad. Like even the footpaths and everything. It's actually very, it's very only bad. when you like, come back into Cork, you know, particularly the city and suburbs, if you're away yeah. for a few days or a week or whatever, you forget how bad they are when you hit Cork again. But that that would be the transport authority, the ITA Sorry, the yeah. ITT and also the RTA, Road Transport Authority. Yeah, they, they, I, I think they really need to start looking at, at, at the roads as well. I, even the footpaths, even the, the trees, and like this tree is grown over. Do you know, even in Mallow Road there, there's actually trees grown over and there's, do you know, like, it's ridiculous. Even parks and everything, do you know what I mean? I don't know, I, I don't know, just, just Ireland is just, it, it, it's gone, it really is, has gone to the dogs, like, like even even with the with the electricity we prepay now and they're you're you you post to, um what's it twenty euros but and the, but they they're putting an extra five euro on that yeah yeah that's that's to be expected because of where we're at it's yeah. I mean oh, oh, nobody oh, wants yeah, it. Like I, if, if I, you I, say it, if you say something was a tenner on a Monday and it was eleven on a Wednesday they're saying yeah. that um, businesses are paying sixty percent higher than the EU average for electricity. Yeah. That's true, yeah. And that's before they turn the lights on. So they're going to put the prices up. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Do you know, it's just, everything is just so expensive. Like, it really is, honestly. Even yeah. the likes of Dublin now, um, I'd seen there on either TikTok or something, and someone paid, I think it was for three drinks, it was nearly 30, nearly 40 euro for two drinks. That was in either Temple Bar. Like, I can't Do you want to be off your head that. having a drink in Temple Bar, wouldn't you, though? Come on. <laughs> I mean, they're just I like shooting fish in a barrel there. Or what was it? Three? I don't know what it was. Two drinks or something, but the prices are just it's ridiculous. I don't know. I think they just need to start looking at looking at things in Ireland. Like even like I don't know. Like we, I don't think it's ever happened in the nineties. Like the nineties was a good year. There's a march on Saturday at two o'clock from the Grand Parade. Should you wish yeah, to yeah. voice your opinion yeah, there by turning yeah, up? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Interesting to see how many people do. The event's organised um, by Mick Mary TD and Thomas Gould and yeah, he, before he, profit he, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I don't know, it's, Ireland is gone, like, and now I'm not racing, but refugees coming in and stuff, and then you hear that people, they're getting houses, like, for, I shouldn't be saying this on air, but like, you hear these things, they're getting, they're going to pay the rent for 80 euro or you know, every month or something. I don't know if that's true. You know, well, it would be more. Messages, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that some public authority housing has been given over, all right, and uh, but the vast majority yeah. are in hotels. You know, vast majority in hotels. Yeah. And I, that's another thing. Hotels. My God. Like yeah. I was actually looking up hotels, and I, I don't know if it was. I think it was Clarny or somewhere, and it was they were looking for seven. What was it? Seven hundred and twenty-six euro for two nights, no breakfast. Yeah, but people aren't stupid enough, stupid enough to pay that, are they? Surely be the I, I, jeez, I, I, I wouldn't like that's for two nights, and I can imagine what it would be like for one night. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean you're off your head, but, like to pay that kind of money. You'd be better off exactly, getting a plane, going like, to the sun. I, 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 I know they have to pay for the electricity and stuff and things like that, and I, they have to pay for this, that, and the other. Do you know what I mean? Like. I don't know. All right. <laughs> okay, thanks for that, Darren. I mentioned earlier on this morning issues down in Cove. There's a report in the, I think it's, uh, might have seen it in the Echo this morning, maybe the Examiner, um, where uh, Anne McShane, who's actually a practicing solicitor with the MJ O'Connor solicitors, but also part of Costa Living Coalition down there, she was saying that in her parish or down in and around the 
the harbour area, people are literally turning off and disconnecting their boilers. She joins me by phone. Anne, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Just a correction there uh, on the uh, my employment. I'm actually retired now. I'm no, no longer working as a solicitor since okay. November last year. Okay, well, happy so, retirement to yes. you. Okay, happy to well, update that. Well, yes, okay, no problem. Okay, no problem. so yeah. have, you, have you actually visited homes of people whom you're yeah, saying yeah. are having nervous breakdowns and going to the doctor for antidepressants? Yeah. So basically, here in Cove, we are in the process of setting up our own group part of the National uh, Cost of Living campaign. And what we want to do is give working class people a voice. So we went out on, on the knocker last weekend around Cove, uh, talking to people and, you know, letting them know about the march on Saturday and asking them what their views were. And people were telling us that they are absolutely scared out of their wits. Firstly, they're very glad to see us there because we had a very active campaign against the water chargers here in Cove. And people in Cove know that when we fight back, we can win. Um, Obviously, this is a very different battle. But people were saying, basically, that they're going out of their minds with worry about what's coming down the track. People of all ages? Are you referencing the elderly? People of... People of all ages, people with uh, women on their own, with young children, people who are working, who would generally not be people who would be worried to the same extent as those on pensions or unemployed. They're very worried. And also then, obviously, elderly people who feel extremely vulnerable. And now the people you refer to, as I spoke to a woman who said her parents have told her that they're not going to use their gas at all this winter and in terms of disconnection I don't know if they have disconnected yet and I would definitely not want them to do so but of course But that's very worrying then for a son or a daughter of an elderly person or couple to know that their mother and father have decided to turn the heat off I know that they're going to sit in front of the fire for the entirety of the winter and survive like that well, you know, I mean, that's, it is extremely worrying. And like you, I think uh, the woman from the Penny Dinners was out there lately and she was talking about, Katrina Toomey, Toomey yes. was talking about people being found dead in their houses this winter. Um, like, we had a situation with COVID where the government took things into its hands and decided this is a national emergency and, you know, we can't just let business go on as usual. And I think they have to have the same attitude to this crisis. Now, we don't in Cove think, and people have said to us, that it's not enough just to cap prices, but that the government has to nationalise the utilities on a not-for-profit basis so that people can actually afford to live. You know, Neil, I mean, people, people just don't know how they're going to survive. And I'd imagine down in Cove in the winter that the winter bites harder down the estuary, doesn't it? Well, it can be bad, exactly. It yeah. can be bad. The yeah. storms come up there and, you know, <laughs> we do feel the blast. But, like, we don't want people to be worrying at home, feeling isolated and afraid. And this, uh, this want, area of what yeah. you were saying says, I'm being yeah. told of people having nervous breakdowns, going to their doctor yeah. for antidepressants because of the yeah. worry of what's ahead. Well, exactly. They don't know what's ahead. I mean, like... Even if you look on the websites of any of the utilities, uh, electricity and um, ESB, they're talking about like 37%, 27% rises. These are huge. And then, 
like the government isn't really able to give us much solace at the moment, is mm. it? It's mm. not telling us very, for, it's not telling us with any clarity what they're going to do. And people are genuinely like, you know, if Michal Martin doesn't know what's happening, how is somebody, you know, living a pensioner living in a house? with 250 euros a week coming in, going to know. So you don't you know, think that maybe uh, three 200 euro payments, which would be probably duct- deducted from your gas or your electric bill, yeah. uh, is, is far enough uh, in, in the sense that they're talking about energy credits of 600 euro and maybe three payments? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so, not at all. But also, I think it's the wrong way to approach the problem. Like... What they're doing then is they're giving money to people to pay the private companies and add to the existing profits that those companies are making rather than taking it into their own hands, which would be the rational way. Like a man said to me on Saturday when I was out around about the fact that he had done a bit of research, you know, an elderly man, you know, gone on, listened to various programs on TV and said that basically a number of the wind farms are on private land and they're they're selling off the electricity that's made on those wind farms onto the grid yeah. for private, you know, for money back. For profit, right? yeah, that's why for, they put them up, yeah, yeah. That's right. But, like, isn't that very irrational? You have all these bits and pieces coming onto the grid. Wouldn't it be far better if we had a national scheme? I think that it's, it's kind of unanswerable. I think that, okay. you know... We, we in Cove had a strong campaign against water charges. Nationally, it was defeated on the basis that you shouldn't have to pay uh, for, for water. It was a natural resource. We shouldn't have to pay privately for it. And I think like people are saying the same about their needs for housing and electricity and gas or whatever, that we shouldn't be paying huge that profits shouldn't be made. Because, the gov- uh, by, because by governments for successive years were asleep um, and left it to the private sector to do a lot of they what did. they should have been doing and investing in. And now, they of did. course, when a crisis comes along, that's when they'll be found wanting. Can I just ask you about one quote that I read regarding your good self? You said, the one thing that struck me is the intense dread of people harming themselves this winter. What, what do you mean yes. by that? Well, I suppose what I'm worried about is people's level of depression and anxiety. And I think that the feeling that you can't cope and that you can't provide for your family is a very debilitating one. And I'm not saying that there would be, you know, a lot of people harming themselves. I don't know, though. However, I do think that uh, chances are stronger if you remain isolated in your own home and simply worry about it. I think the thing to do is to get involved like we have in Cove yeah. and hopefully other parts of the county. I understand what you mean, where people yeah. feel that they're unable to cope. Uh, and if that becomes yeah. overwhelming, anything yeah. is when possible. People, yeah. When people say to you that like people are going out of their minds... I think that's something you have to take seriously. I don't think that that's a flippant remark. Mm, you know, mm, I mm. think they, you know, this it's like a sense of not being in control. Mm. Um, and I feel that that's such a strong feeling. Helpless and, and hopeless. It's, yeah. it's, it's an international problem. And, you know, like... Uh, well, in the UK, they have guaranteed that people will pay no more than £2,100. Now, I know, I know it's a lot. But at least they will know yeah. how much it's going to cost because the government have put a freeze Whereas know, here, not, even this yeah. morning, Michal Martin said no to that again. He said, oh, no, we can't be doing that because it'll have to be yeah. paid back at some time in the future. But many would say, I, OK, we'll deal with that in the future. 
Well, like that's from a right-wing Tory government. Imagine they've done that, and here we are in Ireland, and they haven't even taken that step. Will you like be the, going to the uh, protest Saturday, two o'clock in the Grand Parade? Absolutely, and hopefully we'll have a good attendance from Cove at that because it's very important to be visible on the street. But will it matter? Do you think? I think it will matter. It will matter because it will show the government how strongly people feel and they're not just going to be, you know, fobbed off. Um, And also, I think it will matter to people as individuals because they will see that other people are doing something about it and they won't feel so helpless. Um, Solidarity is very important and I think that it's a kind of a... It's, it's a case of saying people's needs need to come before profits. And in a situation where, OK, there's an international crisis, we know isn't it far better for our government to take control of the situation on a rational basis. So okay. Okay. that's what we feel. And um, thank you very much, Neil, for giving us the opportunity. And I'm glad you're an opportunity to chat. Thank you, Anne McShane, Cost Living Coalition in Cove, 2 o'clock on Saturday at the Grand Parade. That's where the event will start. The cost of living protest. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. Just quickly, with regards to the Dunlow Hotel, €20,000 for one night. I have clarification on that from the Dunlow Hotel, and I will bring it to air in a few minutes' time. But I'm just conscious of Lisa, who's under a lot of pressure and is fuming mad. Lisa, good morning. Morning, Neil. I was listening to breakfast this morning and they were giving out all sorts of traffic updates. It seems to have been an absolute nightmare, was it? It was absolute carnage, Neil, to be honest. Um, It's just very frustrating, like, no matter which way you took to go through town, you were stuck. Whether it was that traffic lights were out, like I was 18 minutes outside the Raven Bar and the traffic lights never went green to go through Washington Street, you know, onto South Main Street. 18 minutes on red? Yeah, then we actually, I went through the red light, the car in front of me went through the red light, looking left or right, when the green man came up to take a chance to go through, they never went green. But that was, that was the, the second half of my journey, the first half started, I come from Blarney Street, and what's happening, well what's happening for the last year, is from the North Mall, right up Sunday as well, right up to the end of like Shanakeel Hill as I call it, that bad turn there in Shanakeel, Um that was closed last year, June 2021, for 13 weeks. And it's still ongoing, on and off, on and off. There's oh, they keep coming back, is it? They're coming, the same hole now that they're digging at the moment at the end of Shanakeel Hill. It's the sixth time that hole has been dug up. What's the down the hole? Is it pipes or water? Or? Pipes, pipes, yeah. It's piping, the, it's, it's water the whole time, like. But um, but the problem is, they have a stop and go now at the end. When, so you come, if you would imagine, you come down Strawberry Hill and you go left. So you're on Shanakeel Hill. The traffic light is just outside the little church there, stop and go. There's three cars getting through a green light. But what's happening then is if you come up for Wellington Bridge, all the traffic has to go up Shanakeel Hill, either onto Blarney Street or up around Apple and Knocknahimi and it's guiding it all back down onto Shandon Street. That's way out of your way. Then. That's way out of your I way. Came, yeah, I, I came down Cathedral Road, down Shandon Street. We were literally stopped, stopped in traffic. Had to text the school, tell them they'd be late and everything. Um, but what happened Monday was when you came down the end of Shandon Street at the lights by the funeral home, if you wanted to go right onto the North Mall, they had a barrier across the road closed. They had the same at the opposite end, the distillery end, 
So if you came down from um, Sunday as well, they had a barrier there. There was nothing happening on the road. I drove through the barrier. There was nothing. You're, very, you're no. very brave, aren't you, breaking red lights and but driving through barriers? See, Needs must, I suppose. You, you, you can see the full length of the road. Well, like I was on the opposite side now on Monday by the, say, the cinema, Pat McDonald's and the cinema. I was on that key. So I could see there was no work being done. Yeah. A lot of work being done on all of the keys as well, isn't there? Like, it seems to all be happening at the one time. It is, but it's forcing people down the same roads, which is causing all the jams then, and everyone is stuck in the same traffic so with nowhere to go. What was what was your commute, say, because I think you were going to, were you going to Friars Walk, is it? Yeah, I was going to Eamon Reach School, yeah. Right. And um, so I left my house at one minute past eight, and the kids jumped out of the car at the lights from Friars Walk at 8.59. And then I had to go across Friars Walk, down through Greenmount to... St. Al's and I dropped my daughter there at 9.05. So the only way you would get around the Friars Walk run and getting them on time, well, without any of the grief or the drama, uh, is to leave at half seven or something, is it? About, yeah, about that. Like, my husband left at 20 to 7 and he was stopped at stop and go. He said, like, there was three cars at 20 to 7 going for a run this morning. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like, I can't understand. It's, it's an hour of traffic. Can they just open the road or... Do, do the road works at night if it means closing the road? I don't know. It's yeah. just, but it's just ongoing. It's just like this section of road now from the North Mall. So you're only noticing it now because um, schools are back. I mean, it's probably quieter in the summer, is it? Uh, not necessarily. Not, not quieter, but you're still stuck at stop and go. Depending on which section of the road. But this is 13 weeks. It signs up everywhere. 13 weeks. And we're over a year now. Like, they're digging up the same holes, so they're, they're hardly still working on the same job price. Mm, I know, I know. Do you know what I mean? They're getting paid to do the same work over and over again. Yeah, who knows they're what they're doing. I mean, what are they doing? Is it is it bicycle lanes, widening the road, just digging holes no, for water? Pipes. pipes. All right. It's water, but that's grand, that's Irish water. But are they constantly not looking at what they're doing? And the, the, the effect it's having on the city. Well, I heard you know the effect I mean? of it this morning because there was a lot of traffic updates and none of them good. They're, we don't talk about free-flowing traffic in peak time anymore. It's the same in the afternoons, I'd say. Oh, I'd imagine it's mental, I don't know. But, like, just right. this morning was just... You could see people in cars, they were honking their horns. I don't know what they were honking their horns for because nobody was going anywhere. That's right. It's frustration, yeah, I know yeah, now. Like, yeah. But it's, like, first thing in the morning, like, just... I don't know, I don't know. But I think these companies that are doing... Like 13 weeks, that's, what, that's my thing. It's 13 weeks, they said, and it's a year on. And the same holes, I mean, the people who they're digging outside their houses must be mental. Must on be the North Mall there, yeah. it's a disgrace. Yeah. And then they're literally then patching, they're, put, they're tarring over where they dug the holes. So the roads are all over the shop, then they're uneven. There's patchwork of tar. Do you know, I mean, if they have the road closed, they might as well tar the whole lot and get it all clean. What do you do when you, get home, when you get home? Sit down and have a cup of tea? Because some of you were suggesting <laughs> that you needed a vodka or something. No, I sat down at a cup of coffee. I'm out in Regional Park now waiting for my friend to go for a walk. She's uh, going to get the whole lot of it. Have a good I'm going to vent to her. <laughs> oh, you've, you've done your venting now. Leave your friend alone. <laughs> go on. Someone else to Enjoy the walk. But anyway, some, something has to be done anyway, I think, because right. that, can't, that can't be going on. A lot of texts anyway, on, on this. Thank Thanks, Lisa. Cheers. Uh, somebody says the lights are gone at the back of the Queen's Oak Castle. That's why there was the 18 minutes on a red light. The lights were gone at the back of the Queen's. At the junction of the North Main Street and Washington Street. Traffic along the North Main Street was crazy because those lights are gone and nobody wants to move out.
into Washington Street when the lights, of course, aren't working. Well, Lisa did. She eventually said, I can't take any more of this. Remember the days when there used to be Gardaí at the major junctions? Uh, I can remember as a small boy, they used to have white gloves on. Uh, directing traffic. Uh, then there's been a collision at the junction of Bishopstown Road and Hawks Road and you need to be aware of that. Can you please tell people that they should just be avoiding Sunday as well? Traffic always blocked up back up to the North Mall because of the section of the road that Lisa's been talking about being closed off. So all traffic is being diverted elsewhere. It's pure and utter madness and also the fact that it's been going on for so long. I mentioned earlier on this morning uh, an article on the front of the Echo today where they talk in the headline. They say infested rental homes and I drilled into it a little bit because they were quoting Threshold um, who were there to help people with regards to housing and rental and homelessness uh, and to also let them know about their rights and they were really drilling in to the story because and again you'll say that I'm landlord bashing which I'm not I'm just following actual stories that are making the news negligent landlords and one of the points they were making was they see holes in the floor with vermin coming out of them, and even sewage coming into the kitchens. I'm joined by the Southern Regional Manager of Threshold down in our part of the country, Idel Condon. Idel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Have you ever seen it this bad? No, no. I'm with Threshold 12 and a half years, Neil, and it's never, I've never seen the likes okay. of this. And why and has it got really so worked. bad? Yeah, so I suppose it, it's kind of, it all boils back to the supply issue. So um, there is a real shortage of affordable accommodation um, around the country. And the, if you look at the latest staff report on the 1st of August, there was 167 properties available in Munster. This morning, there were 30 properties available in Cork. When you say 30 properties available in Cork on daft.ie this morning, this would be your average three-bedroom semi. Um, no, I didn't have time to drill down into okay, what they were. That, but I can probably, from experience, over the last few months, there are probably luxury properties made, yeah. you know, up over the two grand. Um, so, you know, uh, not affordable for, for you know, uh, the majority of So you'd pay two grand for a, a nice home with three bedrooms, would you? They're, they're nearly up to the two grand now, the three bedrooms nailed there, you know. Um, everything everything is just so expensive and out of reach for people. The, the, the average rent in Cork City now is 1,670 and it's it's nearly 1,300 in the county, you know. So we have left rents climb and climb and climb in this country. They bought rent pressure zones in. They, they they didn't work. What happened was they just increased the rent outside of the zones, and then that was that was um, declared a rent pressure zone, and it just kept spreading and spreading. And now we're in a situation where people can't afford the rent. And, and you know we're highlighting this at the moment through our owner own your rights campaign. Um, and is the, to, to help people to ensure that they get advice and um, know what their rights are. In terms you see of the text that I've been reading out from people over the last day or two saying that. The landlord kind of almost threatens, if you don't like it, you can go. Um, if you give me any grief, I'll sell the property. Does that mean that people just put up with uh, rats coming through the floor or sewage coming into the kitchen? Mould, damp yes, down the walls? Yes. yes, they are. They are putting up with uh, substandard accommodation because um, they are afraid of their lives of getting a notice of termination in the door. Because, Neil, um, 
if a notice comes in the door now, there is a real threat of homelessness for a family or an individual. Yeah. Um, there, you know, and there's even a shortage now of emergency accommodation for people if they do become homeless. You know, the lucky ones will have family to, to maybe go into uh, for, for a period of time until they do source accommodation. But I mean, we know there's people in emergency accommodation for, for well over a year, even two years. In so places. that would be families in, in what? Hotel rooms, guest houses, some have gone to Edel House, some have gone to... Yeah. Vincent, um, yeah, Vincent, yeah, Vincent. Uh, the, the family hub, yeah, yeah. Um, and the figure you know, then for the first eight months of Cork alone this year, is, is this figure of 800 terminations in Cork alone so far this year? Yeah, 800 in Cork in the first eight months of this year. Um, that was 467 last year. So it's an increase of 70% on those termination cases in Cork. Um, the, the figures quoted in the echo were what the Cork office dealt with, but we could have dealt with some, you know, in Kerry or, or Limerick or, or Clare or Waterford. Um, but 800 deaths in Cork uh, so in, in the first eight months of this year. Now, Neil, I suppose it's important to highlight this. About 50% or even more of those notices will be invalid. So, you know, the family or the individual doesn't have to, to vacate in that instance. So it's really important that... Why are, why are they usually invalid, 50% of them? It, it can be for a number of reasons, I suppose. Um, it can be... So if the landlord is selling a property, he has to attach a statutory declaration, OK? And that may not be attached to notice, so that would deem it to be invalid. The landlord might not give the correct notice period, so that would deem it invalid again. Um, you could also challenge, you know, if um, a landlord might issue a notice for rent arrears, but in fact, actually, the rent was increased to a level above the rent pressure zone. Yeah, and you guys you know, would know so all of this, you see. Yeah, yeah so yeah. we'll really delve into the cases, you know, and look at, you know, what were people's rents, when were they increased, were they increased, was it valid, you know, um, and then we can work with, with people. Now, landlords work really well with us too, to be fair. You know, it has been very challenging for landlords, and I, I don't, you know, as well, because there's been such change in legislation, you know, and a lot of landlords, it's, it's, they're accidental landlords. Um, so, like, I have to say, like, we've had people in rent arrears with the current situation, and landlords do work with us, you know, yeah, well, they good agree to have a budget plan, and, yeah. you know. But unfortunately... Landlords love to see us get involved, actually. Yeah, because they might be able to resolve an issue with regards exactly. to... Exactly. Yeah, but why yeah. then do yeah. I hear of stories of people in houses where they're afraid to... I mean, even you were saying that there should be, uh, like, the furniture is old and tatty, there should be upkeep, there should be painting and decorating going on, and people are afraid to ask for fear that that um, they could be jeopardising their home because of other landlord might react. Yeah, because, again, it's coming down to supply, Neil. There's just no properties available. Like, when I first started working with Threshold, if someone was thinking of notice of termination, they just got one in the estate, the, the estate down the road, you know, or, or they went to the next estate. But now there is just, they're not there. So people are afraid to rock the boat they um, want to remain in their tenancy. The kids are in school, you know, they could be in the local GA clubs. They don't want to move. And um, they're afraid to, to highlight certain... certain they stay um, quiet and But that's put not up the tenant's them. fault, you know. I mean, there's, there's legislation there around the standards of the property. So, like, they should be regulated. But isn't the council so we, supposed to visit, particularly if there's a HAP payment? And, but they don't seem yes. to be, do they? Um, they, a lot of local authorities have actually outsourced that um, now. Um, what we saw actually when they outsourced it at the start, the companies that, that um, were being used in, in some cases were 
very strict, like really, really strict and asking for things that um, like fencing to be done. I, I heard of a case where they, they requested um, the property to be fenced um, off with a certain fencing. On I that heard that, now. yeah, they were too yeah, over the and, top. And, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that actually was pushing landlords away as well. And we know that the, the RTP have reported that there's um, a massive decrease in the number of landlords now registered with them. So landlords are exiting because, you know, there's an issue with the amount of uh, tax they pay. And yeah. so the, the government really need to address this issue now in the upcoming yeah. Well, budget. Um, you can understand it if they say, listen, this yeah. is insane, the amount of tax. And also they probably yeah. see this as a good time to sell and get out because it's not worth they it. They do because of the, yeah, they're getting great money now for, for selling their house. But um, yeah, the government really need to address that. We need to work with landlords. No, they're and vital in, in this market now um, because, you know, home ownership is, is so far away for, for some people. We have to look after renters um, and we need landlords to do that. So we have to look after landlords. So you looked at the figures this morning. We saw 30 in the city. Imagine if you'd looked at Airbnb, you'd seen, you'd seen multiples of those available. A lot of them flipped to Airbnb, didn't they? They did, yeah. Again, they, you know, they were getting a lot more money um, okay. yeah. by using short-term less. But, the, you know, um, they are clamping down on that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're aware and of students at UCC doing a walkout in October because they're absolute. Do you deal with students as well? Yes, I read that article last night. Um, yeah, across the board, it's affecting everyone's yeah. Okay, you're breaking up on me there. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's affecting students as well, Neil. Um, so again, I'd encourage students as well to, to contact Threshold to ensure that they get all their their notices checked um, and ensure that they're paying a correct rent as well. Okay, and just finally, before I let you go, of of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eviction notices that are valid, where do those families go? Unfortunately, Neil, um, and and that's really challenging for our staff at the moment in delivering that news to, to, to people um, they, they, if, when they get served a notice of termination there is an end date on it and um, they are legally obliged to vacate the property um, on that date um, but unfortunately there's nowhere to go they, you know, I had a family in with me uh, last Thursday and their notice is up next week they live in North Cork and they have nowhere to go and what will they do? So they will present then in that case to um, the local authority in Mallow um, and hopefully Mallow will have emergency accommodation. But as I said, it's it's extremely difficult to force emergency accommodation at the moment. And emergency accommodation typically then, because this would be uh, adults with their children, what would that be like? Very challenging very challenging. We have a unit here in Threshold that work with people who are homeless uh, in hotels and B&Bs and they go out and um, they, they um, I suppose we try and force accommodation for them but we're finding it very challenging. Um, you know, we, we work with them in terms of budgeting. We do a pre-tenancy course with them and trying to get them ready for housing. You know, they might have challenging issues in their lives that we would uh, support them with. Um, but isn't it understandable so it that they would like because emotionally and psychologically they must be in tatters as well, the worry. Absolutely, and, the and it's it's you know it's affecting everyone. Everyone now is at risk of homelessness if they're in the private rented sector. Okay, you know, okay, uh, it really is everyone. We have people we have people coming in here who are working full time and they're in a hotel and they're trying to get their kids to school and go to work. Like this is what we're seeing every day of coming into threshold, and it's really, I I just can't understand how we've how we've got this bad. 
you know I really can't and I'm, I would urge people to to get all of their docu- documentation checked it could prevent people from having to enter homeless Okay thanks for taking the call uh, let you get on with it Adele Southern Regional Manager with Threshold you can contact Threshold by email advice at threshold.ie their offices are open as well from 9.30am to 5 p.m. and they can be reached on a 1-800 number, 1-800-454454. I'll give out all those important numbers and contacts again between now and midday. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And just before I go back to calls and my apologies to people who are waiting I'll come back in a few minutes time I was mentioning yesterday that uh, this is Autism Assistance Dogs Awareness Um, and of course it's a very important function and service that is provided to people who desperately need dogs to help to open up their world and they got a lot of amazing dogs going through their final months of training and you can help them if you so wish to do so and donate on their website to autismassistancedogsireland.ie. But they have got help from a lot of great uh, businesses here on Leaside to put together some wonderful prizes this week. And this is just on a lighter note in spite of everything else that's going on. So you would be helping a child with autism or a child on the spectrum by supporting them. Uh, And these autism assistance dogs open up the world for families and indeed their children who need this kind of support. So, great idea all around. So, with regards to awareness of what they do, uh, we have some lovely prizes to give away. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to win one of the prizes by telling us a funny story, an enlightening story, a heartwarming story about your own dog. Or indeed, just something simple, if you like, about when the dog last made you laugh and why. So, text on that. Text 0868104106. And we'll read out some of those texts this side of midday. So, this morning, we have an overnight for two with dinner at the Rochestown Park Hotel. And that includes full gym access membership, your sauna and your steam room and your pool and the gym and everything. And an overnight for two at the same time with dinner. And thanks to the Rochestown Park Hotel for that. Tomorrow, we'll be doing a family photo shoot with your madra Professionally done by Finbar Murray Photography. Wednesday, then, we've got some doggy gift hampers from Covertus to give away and then lots and lots of dog food on Thursday, a three-month supply from Royal Canaan uh, food. And then on Friday again, another wonderful overnight for two at the Maldron with dinner. All right, so for today, it's the Rochester Park Hotel. So text uh, your own stories, whatever they may be. It could be funny, it could be heartwarming, it could be a kind story or just when the dog last made you laugh and why. Text 0868 106 and I'll come back to that just before midday today. The um, text that I got earlier on with the screenshot of the Dunlow Hotel, right, for a booking. Uh, let me just check on the night of that booking again before we go any further because it was um, an eye-watering amount of money. And I know I have the attachment here. Um, uh, one night, three adults um, in the first week of December or a little after the first week of December yeah, the date was the 10th of December, right? So it would have been kind of Christmas period. Anyway, one night, three adults, €20,000 for the five-star Dunlow Hotel. So I had to say on the air, that can't be right. In the name of God, that's something wrong there. So thank you, Gillian, for the text. Uh, we called the Dunlow Hotel and they informed us that the hotel is actually closed during that period. So they can't understand how it came up for Gillian even to be able to book on that date 
for €20,000 for the night. They were also very surprised at the price themselves. Uh, according to their website, the Dunlow Hotel and Gardens is seasonally closed from the 6th of November until the 5th of April of next year. Um, when we did try to book uh, on Booking.com for December the 10th ourselves, we were informed that the property was not available. So it must have been some kind of a glitch that allowed Gillian to book for 20 grand. On a side note then, we did look at the average price for one night for three adults when they're actually open and it's 590 euro. It's a five-star hotel, one night, three adults, 590. So the 20,000, some kind of a glitch um, on booking.com. Happy to clarify that for all concerned because I'd say Gillian nearly died from the shock. Uh, and one other clarification, I was talking about all of those who still have not been paid their COVID bonus. Um, just to update what Neil was saying, this is from yesterday's program, about many people working at working in frontline who haven't been paid um, because they're outside of the direct HSE, um, I suppose, wage structure. Um, you forgot to mention hospices getting their €1,000. Marymount hospice staff have still received nothing. It's very unfair on the staff who worked so hard during COVID. You might add that to the list. Happy to do so. And they have to bring in outside help now, apparently, an outside company to try and solve that issue because they haven't been able to manage to get it across the lines themselves. God knows why. Okay, this is a fast one. I think Edward might be on speakerphone because he can't come off it, but he joins me quickly by phone. Is this, uh, Edward, good morning. Is this... Um, good evening, Neil. How are you? Is, good, my man. Is this to do with Saturday's protest, Edward? Uh, it is. It is. It's, uh, I suppose, uh, on a few topics, I've been here all morning. Yeah. Um, I suppose, look, I spoke to you kind of anonymously at the beginning of this year as well. I was in emergency accommodation. I was lucky enough to kind of get out of it before things kind of hit the fan with the refugees coming in and things like that. Yeah. Um, I suppose, firstly, I just want to point out, right, the government that we have in place were not voted in there. They should not be in there. Well, the, in the coalition the structure, we didn't ask yeah. for, yeah. yeah. The, the coalition structure, we did not ask for, right? These people are getting more and more money every year. That's six and a half grand bonus, all this jazz. They're also not getting involved with energy companies. Michal Martin said, or Michal is another call, and she's bang on literally turned around and, and said that he's not going to do what the UK did and at least give people an idea so he can cap it so that people can know what to expect. Well, he won't cap it, but he expect. will tax the energy providers, he said. But what benefit that will be to the average citizen, I do not know. Absolutely none at all whatsoever. It's just, again, making the bridge between the rich and the poor bigger. That's what it's doing. That's all that's happening right now. I mean, people are, are, are going around saying that they're scared and they're terrified and anxious from what they should be is absolutely lividly angry. They should be fuming. It's that simple. They shouldn't be putting up with this name. We should, like, we should not be in it. Like, we are the people, and we're terrified of what our government won't do for us. There's a small, what, 100 out of them up, in, uh, up there making those decisions for what? Thousands and thousands of people. People stealing pennies because they're afraid of their life to turn on gas. People switching off their gas. Not a hope. No. I, do you remember I, there about I, two I, weeks ago they were telling people to visit public libraries and go to shopping malls to stay warm? I mean, Jesus Christ, when, when, when are the Irish going to stand up? When, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? But do you think and a I'm protest, sorry, I mean, we're not the French, they go completely over the top, but do you think a protest, even if thousands turn up on the Grand Parade Saturday? I'll, I'll tell you, the French have the right idea, because that's how you change things. Like, I'm sorry, all your walkouts and getting up and, and chanting, we won't pay, it'll get nothing done. It will get nothing done. Tens and thousands of people need to take to the street. The country needs to be brought to a stop or nothing is going to change. People are afraid of their life. They're going to pay the thousands of gas bills that are coming in. They're going to do this because they're afraid. Should there be a national strike then or should there be a national day of walkout? The whole 
whole country needs to come to a standstill and not just for a day. Yeah. It needs, the whole country needs to come to a standstill. Now, in relation to like people going in and out of emergency accommodation and emergency accommodation being full, as I said to you, I, I, was, I was actually half afraid to even talk about it myself when I came on with you last February. Um, I, I, like, I and other people were asked to leave emergency accommodation because to, to, to bring in Ukrainians. Yeah, but was now, that again, given as the I, reason, I, I, was it? That wasn't given as the reason, no. Um, and, I, and I also said that when we spoke to the council, no, like, listen, as I said, I was in with the Ukrainian people. I did as much help while I was in emergency accommodation as I possibly could. I was in a hotel in North Cork, not going to name the hotel. Right. Um, we were basically, like, we were helping out and things like that. We were getting notices on the doors to leave, and we were talking to staff, and the staff knew what the crack was with management. And all these elite rich hotel owners were working with the council to try and keep up, firstly, keep us quiet, okay? Yeah. Um, because when, when, when I got wind of it, like everybody's in emergency accommodation, again, fear, they were afraid to say anything yeah. in case that they lost the, the hotel room. Now, we had a hotel room, you know, there was, we had our own packed room, things like that. It was grand. I suppose the kind of fear was that we put in, we put in a lower quality emergency accommodation. Yeah. And Well, people were I, moved out. I, I know it certainly well, happened. And it certainly happened in the comments. Yeah, they were moved into... Where were you moved to? Or what, where were the people that were in the rooms I was luck, I was lucky enough to get out of it just before all the movements started happening. I managed to secure accommodation through other means. Um, which is why I was kind of half afraid to speak about it myself, okay? But yeah. they, they were literally being taken out of hotels where they had their own room and where they could get up and go to work and wash themselves and they were put into hospitals. Okay, this is a fact. This is my experience. I found out from staff in there that the council and the, uh, the hotel management were all, like, were all working together. And when I spoke to the council about it, I basically said to the council, I said, look, I suppose our concern is that we're going to be moved from where we are now. Yeah. Um, where it's, 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 it's clean. We have our own, you know, like, again, I understand beggars can't be choose when you're in that position. But our concern was that we were going to be put into a, a dramatically lower level of accommodation, like less quality, you know, a, a bit crappier, essentially. And that's exactly well, I know that some were moved to guest houses and others were encouraged to go well, to I, Vincent's the re- and the reply, Simon. The, the, reply that I, the reply that I got to that was, you take what you're given yeah. and you'll go where you're told. Yeah. That's what I was given. And, and that was to bring in Ukrainians. Okay, and, th- and that's why there's a lot of pushback, is there, against the amount of refugees and the facilities that oh, they're oh, being provided like, with. I'm sorry, no, like, Neil, we're, we're, we, were, we, were have, we had a housing crisis before this, Okay, um, again, and I want to reiterate, this is my experience. I'm not going on hearsay. I know for a fact that the Ukrainians that were in that hotel didn't want Irish in there. They wanted all their own. Yeah, but how do you know that, there. like, in fairness? Because I spoke to them, Neil. I spoke to them. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. We would much prefer, I, had, I literally had a conversation in the car park of a hotel. Oh, you know, we would much prefer if, um, if it was all kind of our people so we could have our community in here kind of thing. Okay. And, like, this, again, this is not hearsay. This is my experience. Mm. I was in there. I lived with these people for several months. Okay? And now, like, again, you can take that whatever, whatever way you want, but I mean, like, like people have thought, like, there was a chap there on, uh, earlier who was like, oh, they're getting social housing for 80 euros a week. Neil, it's 18 euros a week. That's what they're going to be getting. What does that mean, for. though? What, what are they getting for 18 euros a week? They're three-bedroom semi-detached houses with solar panels, air surface, air-to-water houses that are being, that all of a sudden are flying up all over the country that are going to be allocated to Ukrainians. And again, I know this for a fact. I've seen the paperwork that they were given by members of the council and social welfare departments that came down to visit them and sh- they actually showed me. They were lovely people, like. But they, I've seen this. So you, you saw paperwork, official paperwork, given to Ukrainians who came yep. here from their own country, yep. saying to them, yep. words to the effect of, Stay in the hotel for now. There's housing on the way, and and en route. Yeah, 
Yep, and this will be the cost. This is where you can apply. All of these things. How do I get? How do I get to see that paperwork? Haven't a clue. Haven't a clue. Unless you can get in touch with. And you saw, you saw the amount, and but like, but surely they wouldn't have been charging a Ukrainian refugee any money for rent. But hang on, they're getting social welfare. I also help Ukrainians apply. I also, I also help Ukrainians apply for truck driving jobs. I sent them on numbers and contact information. Yeah, because they have These a PPS so number here yeah. and they're treated... Yeah, yeah, they have they a have, PPS number. And they, and they, and they certainly get social welfare and they get children's allowance. Do you, do you, you don't, do you agree with, you don't agree with any of that then, no? I completely not really do. But what I noticed with, with things like that, whether it be housing, whether it's them, their entitlement to HAP, um, all these things, one to two weeks on average, whereas I'd have to jump through every bloody hoop in the country over the course of 16 to 20 weeks to I get know, my hat. So, so with all these things finalized, whereas it's done almost overnight for the Ukrainians. And, and that's a fact. And I, again, I've witnessed, I w- I've witnessed them coming down from Dublin on a bus to one week later having as much entitlement as I do as an Irish citizen sorted in a week. Whereas I'd be getting letter after letter. I need proof of this, proof of that. Uh, and nine times out of ten, you, you, like, you, they could turn around and say no. You know what I mean? It's, you, like, you're, you, don't, you don't have the excitement or we need more paperwork. I know people who get months for them to get through to HAP. The best way for an Irish person to get HAP is to be homeless. It's that simple. Like, it, 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 it's a fact. Other than that, you're going to be jumping through hoops for weeks and upon weeks at a time. Mm. It's that. Now, and, and now back to the 17th, mm. nothing in this country is going to change by just strolling up and down the street which, you know, pushing the buggy, saying, we won't pay, oh no, this is terrible. When has that ever worked in this country? Because it's literally gotten worse in the last 10 years, and here we're at now, where tents, communities of tents is normal. I have friends, at least five friends, that are going out, buying cheap rental traffic vans, and they're going to play with them, carpet them, and that's where they're going to live. And these are people that work with jobs, we're talking tradesmen. Like. They go from then, then, yeah. to the job in the morning. Well, yeah, you can, but you can park up outside the job. You know what I mean? It's called van life, and yeah. that's what people are doing. They're converting bloody vans to living. Yeah, yeah. And it's all, and then people... Get See, like yeah, it's very hard for me to try and have any kind of balance in a conversation like this because I, I agree with everything you're saying. It is, is grossly unfair. I understand the issues involving Russia and Ukraine and everything, but I, I, it's hard for me to push back and to argue with you against what you have just said because it is just but wrong. But, but there's nothing to... Honestly, like, I mean, the, like, the only way you could argue... Neil, is if you were living under a rock, like it's it's like to the average person who's not clearing a hundred grand a, a year. I mean, life is hard, and, and and yes, people are scared and people are worried, but they need to be angry. People are giving out about, oh, you know, the cri- landlords are saying, oh, it's a pure, it's, this is an anti-landlord situation. You could, I've lived in houses where um, um, uh, the hot, the, the 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 tank, the immersion tank has completely split, and the ceilings have come down. I was afraid to ring the landlord because if, you, if you're ringing your landlord and you're giving him grief, he, there's a million and more ways that he can, you know, I'm hearing all these ads on Red FM and all these other stations. Threshold. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, messages from the government, you know, or message from Threshold, like you don't have to live in these unacceptable conditions. And if, if somebody thought, right, I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to get on to my landlord. A landlord has a million and one ways to legally remove you from the house because just because you're bloody well annoying him. Yeah, but people need to realise that they actually don't. A lot of those reasons are illegal. You know, they're illegal. If they, if they say uh, totally. to you, we're selling the house, they have to prove it in advance. Um, totally. And if, but they can withdraw from the sale once the tenant is left. Again, there's, a, there's so many uh, ways That is happening, yeah. I've heard that, yeah. 100%. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of ways in landlords. The first sale sign goes up so, and comes down again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, the likes of Thresholds can run all the ads they want at the end of the day. The, the, the law... 
All right. Landlords can remove you paint a very bleak <laughs> picture then. You're saying the only difference we will make will make is mass protest on a huge scale, is mass it? Protest put the country to a standstill. Right. And not for a day and not quietly. It needs to be done very loudly and in the masses. Okay, okay. You'll be there anyway Saturday, that's for sure. 100% okay, stay in touch, Edward. Good to catch up. In spite of all the negativity, thank you. Maybe it's just not negative. Maybe it's just calling it as it is. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. There are a lot of different intervention services available, of course. And we were talking with Threshold intervening on behalf of tenants for many years now. I know that there are issues regarding citizen information bureaus and the volunteers being cut back and less opportunities for people to engage with citizens' information. But I can recall 30 years ago when MABS began, started as an acorn, started as an idea, and has been helping support people for 30 years now. And within that 30-year period, in the last 15 years, they started a national helpline, really stepped up their game. And since that introduction, I think it was around about 2007, they've had 300, nearly 350 interventions by way of calls to help people. 350,000, I should say, 350,000, which is an astonishing amount of people asking for the help of money, advice and budgeting. But um, just on that topic, Ursula Collins is with Mabs in Cork. Ursula, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I don't know if you can go back yourself 30 years within MABS, but contrast what it was like then and what it's like now. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, uh, as you mentioned, um, we're uh, acknowledging and celebrating our 30 years uh, this year and the service started in Cork. It was started by um, members of the Lock Credit Union there right. at Brendan I Roach. remember talking um, to Brendan on uh, the air and on television at the time. Great idea yeah, and no. look at it now. Debt relief, yeah, helping people out. that's it. And um, a number of others, unfortunately, Brenton's passed away since. Um, but, you know, they did great work in getting the service off the ground. And it is now, we have 60 offices now all over the country. Um, it was a, a different time then. 1992, um, different times. Can't yeah, remember, were they good times. times or bad times then? They can't have been good yeah. if MABS was formed. No, I think that, you know, things were still very difficult. Um, you know, a lot of people have very high immigration levels, very high unemployment levels. Um, and that was the response to it. It was a joint initiative between members of the local community and national government. Um, Liam Edwards would be one of the key people yeah, there. Yeah. And uh, certainly in, um, in having our uh, celebrations uh, this year, we have had to acknowledge that unfortunately we now find ourselves as a country in a very grim situation as well and what are you typically dealing with uh, I suppose for the certainly over the COVID period and increasing in the last number of months, the utilities is the high ticket item with the bills now coming, people coming into us in dire straits with bills of up to €5,000 and imminent disconnection. So it is, that is definitely the high ticket item. Um, also some concerns around uh, mortgages with the increasing uh, mortgage interest rates, of course, and general uh, day-to-day living expenses then where people might have been kind of managing with a few, you know, credit union loan and a credit card bill. If your day-to-day living goes up, you're then finding that you're not able to meet those other bills. So those other bills are... So for many, it's moved from juggling. They were juggling. They can't even juggle now anymore because they're not magicians with money. 
No, that's it. That's it. And I suppose what our key message to people, and I want to acknowledge, you know, a number of the comments from previous speakers and that, you know, there is an awful lot of very bad news out there. We've only come out of an awful um, two year um, pandemic period to facing into, you know, the global issues now and a war in Europe. And I think it is very important that um, people think about contacting MABS. They see it as a positive step. But you You know, know, when you talk of mortgage, yeah, I know, and you have the professionals, but. You know, we talk about mortgage, mortgage, can that lead then to repossession? It can. Now, um, there are a number of schemes under the Awalia system um, that can assist people. We have dedicated mortgage advisors in our offices that will be able to liaise with the banks for you. So if you are um, either, you know, just getting into difficulties or you have, you know, not been able to liaise with your bank yourself and, you know, you're, or, you're or afraid to or in denial, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, you know, we've all been there, you know, not wanting to, to see the next bill coming in the door. Um, you know, contact us and we can provide you with that professional advice and support. It's fully, it's completely free and completely confidential. And you can come into the office or you can contact us on WhatsApp or National Helpline. If you go on to mabs.ie and you uh, go into the About tab, you can find your local office. And then there's lots of different options as to how I you I have all of those details. Well. Which are gonna, can yeah. you intervene then with the bank? Can you intervene we with can. an energy supplier? I mean, do, like, what is the story? Will people be cut off? Somebody said to me recently, they can't cut you off. Is that true? Yeah, no, unfortunately, that is not true oh. unless you're in some particular categories. Um, for uh, for most people, we can intervene. And if I suppose we always say to people, if you come to us sooner rather than later, then that's better. Um, but we do have direct links into all the energy providers. And if you are either in a situation where your bills are mounting and you want to try to get payment plan in place, we can assist you to talk to the energy provider and deal with that. Will they always accept the payment plan? We will usually be able to come to some sort of an arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. But they will. We have seen some disconnections in the last... So you have actually dealt with clients in the recent months who are in the dark. It's already been done. They have been disconnected. Unfortunately. And then it's very difficult for us to assist you know, because getting a new energy provider when that has happened uh, can be very difficult. So again, Imagine it's having to do that job, going into a family oh, home horrendous. with children and turning off the power. Yeah, absolutely, them. absolutely. Um, you know, so we do talk to people and I, I guess, again, the message is about being proactive. If, like all of us, you can see your energy bills increasing, the best thing you can do for the family home now is to switch your energy provider. 50-60% of people in the country have never changed their provider. So that means that you're paying on average about 30 or 40% more than you need to but be paying. But even on the basis that you can get 40% off, doesn't that show that energy providers, it's a racket for profit? That yeah, they can I offer a new customer you. 40% less than an existing customer. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, when you look at the rates, and, and as well commercially, if you look at the impact on our, our small to medium-sized businesses particularly, um, are really feeling it. You know, we see all the cafes and that closing around the place, you know. So that's a big issue as and well. Can you, can, um, you always yeah. re, can you always manage to restructure a debt even when there's very little money coming into the house to service the debt. You spoke about credit card debt, bills, mortgages, uh, all, you know, literally. 
Yeah, it's all about income maximisation. So if you come into this, we look at what you've got coming into the house and give you any tips and it's entirely up to you, you know, which of the options you wish to take. And then we look at, for example, if you have a number of credit cards or, you know, a number of bills, it's probably a better idea to consolidate them all into one, right? And get a particular scheme going then with, with one provider. So those would be some of the common tips that we would run through with people. Okay, okay. So there would be one large pile of debt that you would then break yeah, down into say, manageable repayments. But exactly, those repayments yeah. could be for many, many years. They could be, yeah. But I suppose, you know, better to be kind of pushing things out and keeping on top of that payment rather than trying to juggle and going, well, I'll pay the credit union this week and I'll pay the visa, you know, next week and still finding yourself in that highly stressed environment. Going nowhere, you know, yeah, knowing, yeah. Yeah, going nowhere and just feeling out of control and overwhelmed by what's coming through the and door. And can you all you cope know? there within MABS? Um, we have seen a significant increase in July and August. Um, we were providing services throughout the pandemic as, as essential workers. And uh, we certainly had to uh, respond to utilities, etc. throughout that. We've seen a significant increase, but we can always see um, emergencies, you know, within a day. So if Amazing you, how um, you can do that. You know, do sure. contact us and we will make sure that you are assisted. If we can't uh, sort you out in one office, we'll refer you through to another office. Okay, okay. And if there was one piece of advice you were giving, is it the advice you gave about switch energy providers now? I think for the general population, if you're not in um, significant arrears, that is, is, is a top tip. Yeah, switch you, energy providers now to reduce your outgoings for the next six months. So however, you, you can't do that if you're in arrears, can you? If you're in arrears, yeah, that's going to be an issue. So if you're in arrears, um, come in to us and let's look at what we can do and uh, we can talk to the energy provider for you and see what we can do in terms of income maximisation. Okay, I'll give out contact details. Um, little cut for time, but I think we covered a lot of ground and I'm obliged to you for we taking did. the call. Much obliged as always and congratulations on 30 years of great service, Ursula. Oh, that's okay. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Take Thank care. you. As Ursula Collins and Mabs in Cork now, you can find a local Mabs office wherever you're listening to me. People are listening all over. Mabs.ie, www.mabsmabs.ie. They have a helpline number, 0818 018801, sorry, my apologies, 0818 My apologies, 0818 2000. Uh, they're also on Twitter and on Facebook. And just before midday, I'll give out some of the key numbers that I've been dealing with this morning from both Mabs and from Threshold. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after these. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Yeah, massive text backlog here. I understand. It, it, it gets harder to try and keep balance on particular topics of conversation. Let me just say, I know I've said it in the past, it gets harder and harder because I understand how people are feeling and I understand what people are saying. I get that it gets harder and harder for me to try and keep some sort of balance or uh, you know bias out of the equation with regards to being fair to everybody in the times we live in now yeah, Anne gives another example of it this is absolutely terrible we need to stop um, and this is again issues regarding 
the displacement of Irish for Ukrainian refugees. Will the government stop refugees coming into Ireland? We've more than enough. Please, someone. We're overcrowded. We have no room for our own. Uh, Michal Martin needs to wake up. Um, massive response to my conversation with Edward, actually. Everybody saying that was an empowered uh, contribution from him this morning. I'll try and get some of those texts on the air. People are very impressed with them. Um, here's another example of their idiocy. The government's business measures were useless. They warehoused VAT from COVID, but it's now being demanded by revenue. You will find micro and small businesses closing because of it. Yeah, there was a time ticking bomb there, wasn't there? Any hope you could get Michal Martin on to explain how are our kids going to get to school? We paid for the last three years for the bus service. This morning, our daughter had to get off the bus. They're free now. Our daughter had to get off the bus because she didn't get a ticket. But the bus left her on the side of the road with plenty of empty seats. It's a disgrace. This government isn't fit for purpose. I was telling you this morning that Leo Varadkar has now said that it was a mistake allowing the bus service for school kids to be free. There should have been some kind of a nominal charge for it because there wasn't enough to go around. The sense of that was that if there was some kind of a charge of it, there wouldn't have been such a huge big stampede to get a free space on the bus. Uh, Students walking out on the 13th, they could have started with cleaning up after themselves in town last night. Um, well, there must have been some issues in the in the city with regards to parting and what have you. And then the long, uh, with regards to COVID payments, with regards to the long overdue payments to frontline staff that you talk of from time to time, I have an idea as to how this could be done in less than a week, eliminating the need to employ outside sources to do it, which will probably be worth more to the outside sources than the frontline workers themselves. My idea is simple. Why couldn't the revenue inform frontline employers to withhold tax from each and every employee until the 1000 had been paid to them in saved taxation. I suppose my idea is so simple that revenue wouldn't consider it. Can't come on to talk. Great show. I don't know that this is a revenue issue, actually. Uh, this is just a payment of €1,000 that could have been signed off and with the click of a button, every, because they know the people that are supposed to get it. I don't know they have to bring in third parties to sort out the problem, but they do that anyway. They always bring in third parties to do everything in this country. Um, I'll come back to this in the morning. I promise you I will. But with the time that's left, it's not all doom and gloom on this here program because we do try to brighten the mood as often as possible. And yesterday, yesterday, we had a rumour come in that uh, George Clooney was in Cove. Somebody suggested that he visited the Titanic experience. And if he were down here, of course, that's something that he should definitely do. Is he in Ireland? Yeah, apparently. Is he knocking around? I know that um, I know that Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood are in Ireland and are down living told around Beaufort. If I let the cat out of the bag there, that's where they're supposed to be. But with regards to Clooney, this was a rumour that you then went on to investigate Shea Machine. Is he in the country? Because the prereq he did with Tuberty was that could have been in London, would it? Well, it, it could have been, but the there was an article that I saw in the Irish Examiner from July that said George Clooney was due to travel around Ireland and right. check in on his Irish relatives. Good. Now, when I saw the post go up on social media, I was actually... You were like a bat out of hell. Well, I was actually in Cove and I had it within nine minutes of him being spotted going into said Titanic so experience. So you're going looking for him? Of course I did, wouldn't you? <laughs> I probably would. Uh, but anyway... He, for a selfie. And also, it kind of, in my mind, it kind of led to 
the idea that maybe he is there because he does have a connection with the Titanic. His one of his relatives from Leash actually made the carpets for the Titanic. <laughs> So I, I kind of go, I went two and two equals five. We'll go looking for him. And uh, this is the result of the audio. Okay, so this is the hitting the ground running because you were in Cove looking for the celebrity A-lister. Searching for that something that I'll never find. No, not yet. I'd certainly know him if he came through the door. And uh, we haven't seen him yet. And I hope he does come into us. We'll set him on a tour. But no, no sightings of George Clooney and Titanic experience in Gove yet. But there is a link to George Clooney and the Titanic. You know that? I didn't. I didn't. What's the connection? <laughs> One of his relatives actually made the carpets for the Titanic. So it's not beyond the bounds of reality that if he is in Cove or in Cork, that he will be coming here. Could very possibly. And Paul Rudd was the same. Had huge connections with Titanic. His dad was a massive Titanic fan, and I've come to Cove many times over the years so he personally went out of his way to come in here and do the tour Perfect. so I'm hoping George does the same so can I give you my mobile number so you can give me a shout if he pops in I will do they had coffee with me this morning I told them I wasn't signing any autographs <laughs> get up with George Clooney the only place I'd recommend uh, we don't have the Heritage Centre same okay <laughs> and what did he have with his coffee this morning what did he have with coffee nothing and did he pay for it was it an espresso yeah it was that espresso we took off very fast after <laughs> <laughs> You haven't seen him, no? No, no, no. No? No, no we're no. not sailing with the vessel. Okay, and you didn't spot him around town with his Nespresso or anything? No, no, we see them, we will inform you. Okay, perfect. We're looking oh, for him. We haven't. <laughs> okay. We're on a hunt now. We'll give you a shout. And where have you tried to, where have you checked We've from? We've only just heard that he's here, so now we we're going to go to the back into town for something else. Okay, well, yes. he's not in the Titanic experience because I've just come from there. We've been we went there this morning. He oh. might be in the oh. Rob well, it's a traditional a Irish call. bar, so we're going to go and have a look. Good call. <laughs> Maybe he's following you around looking for you. I think uh, he is. I wouldn't blame I have him. heard. Don't have blames after all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen him? Not yet. But he is here. He's supposed to be alone. Where have you gone to? Well, we tried the Titanic first. They wouldn't, tell you. They wouldn't tell you if he was there anyway. I know, I believe the girl, she'd say, she'd say she actually sent me over here. But there's a better link to the Titanic. Well, Titanic is here, you see. This is the museum. But it's also a genealogy place. So you think he might be looking for the relatives that made the carpet? Okay, it could be. He could be. Yes, yeah. you're not giving away much. Why not? <laughs> he could be out looking for mushrooms too. He, he could be looking for mushrooms and he could be yeah. over in Spike Island. I don't know, he could or be he having coffee somewhere. He could be in Kelly's Bell, exactly. Not on the ship at all, he's travelling along. You haven't spotted him anywhere, have you? No, I haven't. No. I'll keep looking for you and I'll contact you. <laughs> and where have you where have you been now so I can rule that out of my list because I'm only here on my own so we've just been to the um, cafe just over here in the blue building the Commodore yes. that's it yeah they and he's be. not there no, no. They're, not they're sitting, sitting in the corner having an espresso no no, no. I, did, I did see a gaggle of women alright uh, across the road running across over to the promenade running over to the promenade yeah no I don't know if they were just going in for coffees or if it was uh, Charles Clooney but Maybe he just wanted to sit out in the water and just enjoy himself. Okay. We'll keep searching. Hiya, bye. How are we? Hello. George Clooney's around town, apparently. You didn't pick him up for a fair or anything, no? If I did, I couldn't tell you. I'd be sworn to secrecy. Would you? I would, yeah. And the wife is with him as well? I don't know about that. I can't say. Well, he's supposed to be around the town, or I heard. 
Is it the Titanic experience? What? It's not, because I was in there. I was over in the Heritage Centre. I was in the front bar. He might. Un- unless he's following me. Well, unless he's on the ship now. We might be back on the ship. Because hmm. that's, a, that's a kind of a 10-star ship, you know, with only 300 passengers on her, and it's a costly few bob to get on her, you know? So... Are you sure you didn't pick him up in the taxi? No, I would have not. Well, I don't know. I mightn't have known him, Mike. I, I did have a couple of um, trips out to Ford Island there now, and a couple of trips to the airport, but he'd never said hello. You know, I would have noticed him, especially his wife. Yeah, and he'd have had an, an espresso in his hand then, wouldn't he? Oh, they? of course he would, yeah, you know, especially with that edge, you know? Yeah. And we made him famous after the movies. So, <laughs> so you're looking for George Clooney yourself, yeah? I was looking, but I heard he's taken. Oh. But did you see him around town or anything? No, no? I didn't see him, unfortunately. Where did no. you try? Just here, on the jetty. Okay, because... On the pier. I wonder, is there a private tour because everything's locked up here for Spike? Maybe that's where they are. Ah, intriguing. Well, there you have it now. The plot tickets will continue. <laughs> oh, I wasn't here at morning time. I'm here process two o'clock only. Okay, so we know from two o'clock onwards yeah. he didn't come over this this side of town. Yeah, no. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, madam, you're not waiting for George Clooney by any chance. I have found him. Where? <laughs> How are you? Good. <laughs> no, he's apparently he's here, but oh, is he? <laughs> he's he's around town. Okay. Well. But unfortunately for you, he's with the wife. Well, you know, he's a little younger than I am, so I'll let her have him. Huh? I'll let her have him. You I've got my my handsome fellows in there. <laughs> so You wouldn't prefer a toy boy, no? Nah. Been there, done that, and I don't want to train him. <laughs> I don't need to train anybody anymore. I'm done. George, if you're out there, oh brother, where art thou? If you have a mobile phone, give us a ring. I promise not to say where you are. We just want to know if you were in Cove yesterday because Poirot of the radio station was down looking for you. 0818 104 Oh brother, where art thou? What was in Cove yesterday was the world. It is an enormous cruising liner. And I believe that all those on board own their apartments on the world. And that just continues to tour and travel all over the world, full-time, the world cruise ship. And today, it uh, appears to be, uh, Mick Molson, you photographed this morning, of Disney Magic, which is another massive cruise liner that's down there today, owned by Disney. Another super, super liner. So all very busy down Coveway, but as to whether uh, Clooney's down there or not, the mystery continues. Back after the break, time to wrap it up. We've got a great prize today, courtesy of Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. We have a few doggy stories to finish. Overnight dinner for two, Roadstone Park Hotel, gym access, sponsored by the RPH. you stay over. The food down there is terrific. So we'll pick a winner after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Right, we'll keep the, the call short, lads, but this is a lovely one from Yvonne. She says they have uh, a 10-week-old Jack Russell Terrier puppy, and they got him two weeks ago. A lovely puppy called him Odie. Uh, everybody loved them. All the kids are mad about him. Settled in fine. Took him to the vet for his vaccine to be told that he was actually a she- so Odie has now been called Jesse, our little dog Jesse, or King Charles who died some years back. She was a wonderful dog called Jesse too. But anyway, Odie is now called Jesse, and she's a lovely little lady. She says, "You'd think we'd have known the difference between a boy and a girl." I just thought it was quirky that he was squatting to wee, and that his boy bits were up under his tail. 
You think you would have spotted the difference for sure. Anyway, enough of me. Let me get a few calls on the air here. I think I'm starting with uh, Mary. Good morning, Neil. I wish I had more time. So as quick as you can, your doggy story. Right. Um, well, she, she wasn't, we didn't get her as, a, as an autistic assistance dog. We just got her because we rescued her, right? Okay. And she had a really bad start. And she was found straying with a, a collar embedded in her neck and oh, no. rusty collar and terrible condition. But anyway, once she lost and found were brilliant, they cleaned her all up and neutered her, whatever. So we have her about nearly three years now. And uh, she was mental, an absolutely mad dog when we got her. And we thought, right, two weeks later, there's no way we can cope with this. But we kind of persevered and she's absolutely an old pet now. And, uh, but she's great. She's, she's a gentle old soul. And your she, son's um, on the spectrum and he's mad he's about her. A, well, he's, 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 he's classic autistic. Right. He'd be, he, he's actually 41, right? Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's, but he was terrified well, of dogs, but not this one? All, all his life, all his life, he's absolutely, he'd go into a convulsion when he'd see a dog coming near him, anywhere near. So now... But not Rosie. Rosie. No, and like for such a mad thing, she, um, she sits down by his legs and she follows him around the house. And she's gentle. She's as gentle with him, you know. And she doesn't back around him. I would know her back around him, and that because it frightens him. And she's as good as gold. And the now, quick story you. there regarding the cat that caught the little bird. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have cat Snowy. He was a tomcat. He was a prolific predator, and he caught this little small little sparrow in the back garden. And Rosie happened to be out in the back garden at the time. And I ran out. I saw the bird in his mouth, so I went out and I managed to get the bird, the cat, to drop him. And Rosie picked him up before I tried to do anything to react. And ran into the house with him and I thought, that's the end of the poor creature. <laughs> and the next thing was she put him down in the hall and then she started licking him. Oh, she made him next to him. Even I know, me, even I know, me with a heart of stone when it comes to pets loves that honestly, story. We, I was, honestly, it just brought a tear to me. There. And she was licking the poor thing and next he started reviving. I didn't know whether he was dead or alive at that point. Well and done, next, Rosie. And I put him out of my hand and he flew off out the door. Oh, that's a beautiful honestly, story. Yeah, she's gentle. She's a gentle old creature. Mary, thank you for that. I love no it. Thank you so now. much. No. Beautiful dog, okay. Rosie. So kind. Yeah. Lindsay. Hi, Neil. Follow that one quickly if you can. Um, so my dog, Missy, my mom recently started a new job about two weeks ago and she had all her forms and books up on the table and my mom got a phone call. She was outside to take the phone call and Missy jumped up onto the chair, onto the table and she done a little wee all over mom's <laughs> new work stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom came in and my mom was giving out to her and Missy sat up on the table and started barking at her. <laughs> I, I almost wet myself laughing <laughs> and mum was there drying the book with a hair dryer and spraying perfume on it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay. Oh, my God. Pity it wasn't your homework. <laughs> oh, thank God it wasn't my homework. <laughs> oh, lovely story. Well done. Mischievous Missy. Thanks for that, Aoife. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How what are you? have you got? Bear, the German shepherd. Go on. I do, yeah. So, a couple of summers ago, um, Every summer we bring Bear down to Robert's Cove, down to the beach. And um, he's after developing this habit now of chasing bumblebees. So he sees a bee, he's gone mad, he'll chase the bee. And, um, Until he gets stung by one, he changes his mind then? Well, you'd think so, but he's not that smart. Um, so he, he chased the bee anyway down Robert's Cove and I brought him home. And I was looking at him, he was sitting in the kitchen and all of a sudden his face 
the size, like his eyes had swelled shut, his face was just huge. So I panicked, I nearly gave myself a heart attack and I rang the Sunbeam vets and I had to bring him down straight away. And um, it turned out that the stinger was still stuck in his lip. Um, so yeah, it cost me a hundred euro um, for his day out at the beach and all I was given all that he needed was a packet of antihistamines <laughs> that I could have bought up in the local chemist. <laughs> yeah, but you don't think of a chemist when you're looking for something for a dog, you see. You think oh, no, absolutely not. And to this day, that was that was three, four years ago now, and to this day, he's still chasing bees. Like, the dog is 40 kilos, and I nearly have to jump on top Why of him. Why hasn't he learned, like, bees. to stay away? They sting, they're painful, there's bad news in the end of it. Do you know what? He's an absolute spoiled brat and I think he just does this just to annoy me. All right. Well said. Thanks, Aoife. I'll give more time to this tomorrow so you have an opportunity to text your own stories between now and tomorrow. Text 0868104106. But um, I love you and leave you with that one. Overnight two for two with dinner at the Rochester Park Hotel including full gym access sponsored by the Rochester Park. Wonderful opportunity for a great overnight in a great hotel. Mary and Rosie. That's a lovely story about Rosie, the rescue dog, particularly the story about um, rescuing the little bird, bringing the bird in and licking it back to life. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And today's prize goes to Mary and her son and indeed Rosie, the dog. We'll do more of those tomorrow, I promise you. Can I just leave you with some of the contact numbers from this morning's programs from program from those of you that might need help or intervention? Threshold are available on 1-800-454-454 and MABS have a helpline 0818 07 2000 I'm out of time for now but I do have some family passes to give away for Cove Heritage Centre we were talking about it as Seamus was down there looking for Clooney yesterday so the Queenstown story is the story of Irish emigration it's well worth a visit we have three family passes to give away for Cove Heritage Centre now take yourselves and the family down of a day or indeed on the weekend you will not regret it in the beautifully restored Victorian railway station in Cove. Pick up the phone now, 0818 Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.